In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. You had a different inflection in your voice for that, Chad. <laughs> you threw me off. Uh, episode 333? That's right. We are doing our Avengers Infinity War uh, movie commentary track. So, as with any commentary track we've done in the past, it's going to be impossible to edit it. <laughs> because otherwise you throw off the entire timing and pacing of our comments aligning with the movie. So... If there's background noises, if Mark farts, or if I scream in pain for stubbing my toe on something, or if one of my roommates makes a noise out in the hallway, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever happens, it's not going to be able to be edited out, so just deal with the uh, whatever happens. <laughs> uh, but we are starting at the seven, six or seven second mark of the film. I've got the Blu-ray. Mark, do you have the Blu-ray? Yes, I do. All right. Uh, and we're going to watch this. I guess start to finish, huh? That's the plan. All right, so uh, here we go, guys. Uh, you ready, Mark? I'm ready. All right. Uh, on, on three. All right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> One, two, three. Crazy logos. Yeah, I got that Marvel title creds. Woo! So they do throw you a curveball since they don't play the normal music and stuff through, through most of the beginning of this. <laughs> but true, in the commentary they were talking about how like they purposely withheld some of that music in, until certain certain parts. Yeah, the com their commentary track, the Russos and the writers. That I'm sure we're going to refer to a few things that they say during the course of this movie. But it actually is good comment. It was, it was a good commentary track as opposed to sometimes you get commentary tracks which are relatively pointless <laughs> or uninformative and 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 their commentary track was was neither of those so now we get the actual text which when you're listening to it in the theater you probably couldn't hear very much of when they're calling the asgardian plea for help as thanos thanos wipes out half of what was left of the asgardians which really were not that many to begin, <laughs> begin with true but we, we we should put out here that some of them have made it off the ship Yes, it's not. It's not said in, in anything in the movie itself, but that has been since confirmed and said in the commentary that uh, Valkyries made it off, you know, as well as several other Asgardians. Yep. So Thor is not the last of his kind as of yet. <laughs> True. I also found it interesting. We kind of talked about this, as in some of the rumors about Avengers Four that. 
It was an interesting choice to just begin, obviously, to begin already in media reis here, where not only did this battle take place with Thor, but the fact that he already has one, Thanos already has one Infinity Stone. And one of the rumors we talked about was, you know, the, we we're supposed to see a version of the Battle of Xandar in Avengers 4 when they go time jumping. But that seemingly, according to the, the, the Russos, at least wasn't the only reason that they decided not to show that battle in this because there seemingly was serious consideration to having that battle, I guess, take place in the beginning of the movie or we see a flashback to it. But they wanted the uh, they wanted each quest for a stone to be different. They didn't want it to be repetitive. Plus, right. Yeah, they also mentioned that showing um, showing that battle would serve the same function as the battle between the Guardians on Nowhere. So, why well, in Wakanda? Because it would have been a bit. It would have been, because it was it was going to be a big a big battle a big battle. But either way, and the fact that they didn't want they wanted everything with Thanos, the big showdown with Thanos to take pl- the one that was taking place more or less in two places at once with Titan. And Wakanda, they didn't want to have you know Thanos be involved in big big battle scenes until you know the end. They thought it would take away from some of that. Ah, yes, the big the big reveal that nobody was shocked to know that that Loki actually did steal the Tesseract from the treasure room before Asgard was destroyed. Right. But as some people have pointed out, he w- he was ruling Asgard for so long. Why didn't he just take the Tesseract back then? <laughs> But nonetheless, it was something. At least, at least you knew. But in Ragnarok, it was, it was overwhelmingly likely that he took the Tesseract. Even if, even if we didn't know the stones were going to be gathered quickly in the next movie, you had to realize that that look in his eye and where he was was a little too tempting for, for Loki. Right. Hmm. Mm. Very dark way to begin the movie, but appropriate considering. <laughs> The whole nature of this movie, right? And Hiddleston has some cool, cool scenes in this movie, even though obviously they're, they're they're all in the beginning because dead Loki, right? And of course, we're supposed to get we'll be getting our big intro for the ever ever so brief other cameo in the movie of the Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the things I hope for in Avengers Four is. You, when you think about it, there are a couple of things about the Hulk and Banner that we have no real explanations for going back to Ragnarok. We don't know why Hulk stayed Hulk for two years. We also don't know why when why Banner – now, you could this could be because of something Heimdall did, but either way, we never got an explanation for it. Why Banner remembers every single thing that happened on this ship when he was the Hulk, when normally everything the Hulk – that happens when he's the Hulk is all fuzzy at best. But he has, like, total recall when he's explaining to Doctor Strange and Tony. So there's something going on. To both of those things, we kind of need a little bit of an explanation for what, as in exactly why Banner and the Hulk, their relationship is changing. Uh, one of the things you and I didn't talk about that I kind of wanted to mention when we were talking about, I think, the uh, during the, the uh, review, was there was a cool storyline they did in the, actually in The Incredible Hulk, which ironically culminated in the Smart Hulk, right after one issue after the Hulk met Rocket Raccoon, which is kind of funny, that when the Hulk first became an Incredible Hulk 272, when he became the Smart Hulk, he had been in space for a while, and he got sent back to space, kind of like the way Heimdall sends Bruce Banner back here, or the Hulk back here, which is not like instant transportation, but really the long way going through space. 
So what they so what happened in that storyline was the Hulk picked up extra radiation, including gamma radiation, on his way back to Earth, and that is what basically made Banner be able to have total control of the Hulk. Not just oh he's intelligent, but even like even when he's upset and in danger, unless he wills himself to become the Hulk, he doesn't. So I thought of that when I saw this movie, and I and I was thinking about that. That's also could be an explanation for the Hulk having more. Um, being able to stay Hulk longer too on Sakaar because of the fact that obviously the Quinjet is not really quintessentially, no pun intended, designed for space travel, so he could have picked up extra re- radiation there too. But All right. But uh, but I figured I'd mention that in this scene since. And here we have here we have Thanos about to collect stone number two. <laughs> collect them all. And the last time we see him wearing the armor, actually. Yes. I mean, in, in, in yes. terms of in in, in story Continuity. as things yep. progress, yep. yeah. No flash without flashbacks or anything else. You're right. That's the last time we see any any armor on him. Um, I like the I like the armor better. I think it. I know on some level it just it kind of shows how little of a threat he perceives anybody else to really be. Also, but I think I think with the noggin he has, he looks better with the helmet on. True. Uh, though you do see, I mean, other than the flashback, you see the armor like on a scarecrow at the very end. Yes, with the homage the the storyline. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, Thanos. And thus begins Thor's interesting arc in this movie, because Thor, ha- Thor has has one of the major arcs in this movie. Uh, certainly Thor has come a long way since we first saw him. <laughs> In general, as far as being an entertaining character, he's become. Right. He's still. I mean, he's still got a little arrogance to him because it's the, just the nature, of, you know. It, but he's certainly become a lot more likable. Besides, a lot more funny and a lot more, a, a lot less selfish character. And here we have Loki finally uh, stepping up to the plate to kind of, though he looks like he's selling out to do the right thing. Now, when you watch right. when you watch this, didn't you didn't you wonder why he didn't he didn't do that illusion thing? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's also you also wonder why Thanos didn't is sort of uh, indulging this because it's very clear that Loki's lying. It's not his best performance. <laughs> yeah, that is that is probably that is true. It probably also would have been more believable if he didn't just unleash the Hulk on him like five minutes ago. <laughs> I also wonder what Loki's relationship to the children of Thanos is. Yeah, that is true. Because he had to have interacted with them before. Right, you would think that during the whole Chitari thing, you think leading up to that, you th- and he, that he would have had some interaction with them to open up the gateway, the doorway to dealing with Thanos. Right, well, I mean, not just that, too, because like you see uh, when you get the flashback later on for Gamora... And her planet, you you see what would have happened to Earth if if uh, Loki and Thanos were successful. True. Yeah. So. Thus ends Loki. Mm-hmm. Don't really. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. You don't really realize how long this this opening sequence is until you're. Till you play it on a Blu-ray, you can actually see the timestamp on it. 
This is a pretty. This is a pretty lengthy prologue to the movie. I mean, the credits don't start. I mean, the the intro sequence, true intro sequence, doesn't really start until uh, Banner makes the call, right? Is it or when he or when he crashes or when he crashes through the sanctum? I thought it, I thought they I thought they say I thought the title comes well no in a second I I thought when I just when I watched this a few seconds ago when I was previewing that everything was working well with the uh, with the captioning I th- I thought it was right when they crashed into uh, when the Hulk crashes into the sanctum but we'll find out in a second soon enough anyway I should say there goes Thor's ship boom is Thor dead is he gone we'll find out soon enough hmm. and here and here is the Hulk taking a long way home. Passes right by the sun, so that leads lends to your theory. And plus, depending how far away they were from Earth to begin with, but yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're going to go that route I'm, I, at all. I'm just saying it, it is a possible explanation, just because I do vividly remember them doing that in the comic book, which gave us the Smart Hulk for like two years. This conversation is funny between Wong and uh, Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why they opted not to have Doctor Strange wear his gloves in this movie because I really liked that when he was dealing with Thor when they actually gave him his gloves. Right. I don't think I've ever had a tuna melt. Yeah, uh, it doesn't have any appeal to me whatsoever. Yeah, hot tuna doesn't sound very good. No. There he is. Reminds you of the f- end of the first movie. I mean, at the fir- not the end of when he when he crashed the Earth after f- the helicarrier. Mm-hmm. See? Like who? Who's Thanos? There we go. Oh yeah, there we go. Oh, I was thinking of the transition, the weird transition transition into the Guardians. Yes, but yes, you're yeah. right. That's when that that is that is absolutely dead on when Banner's uh, about to use Tony's use the flip phone <laughs> the flip phone that Tony's been avoiding for a while now. You know, this scene's interesting too because it, I uh, I mean I basically just finished the commentary track right before we started recording. Uh, with only enough time to watch the deleted scenes. So this is one of the first deleted scenes you see is like somewhere in this conversation, Happy pulls up in the car. <laughs> yes, that was funny. And that was, it was, it was interesting, but at the same time, like that was, it was so obvious why they cut that. You know what I mean? It just, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was definitely one of those scenes you're like, Oh, that's, I mean, that's cool, but <laughs> it's very clear that this scene does not belong. Oh, I agree. I I don't I don't know if there were that many deleted scenes that were that that I found that particularly interesting. I mean, the one with uh, the the extended stuff with Thanos and uh, Gamora, Gamora, the last one, the one, that that one, fin- was the one they didn't finish, right? The stuff with they have to finish special effects. Yeah, and the one with Nebula, maybe, and to some degree, but other than that, oh no. yes, Nebula, because that's when you that's when it makes it crystal clear that she's contacting the Guardians, right. Which we kind of assumed in the movie, that's who she had to be contacting, but because of her tenuous relationship with the Guardians when we last we saw them, it, it, is kind of, it was kind of a little bit of a, a reach to, for us, to people, for them to automatically assume that we, we, you know, we would just take that. But. Yeah. <clears throat> I like this scene with uh, Strange and, and Tony here because there's so much doubt in Tony and they fix it immediately by Bruce walking out. That it just like, all right, we don't have to deal with the doubt. We don't have to deal with, is there an ulterior motive here? Oh, shit, Bruce is back. <laughs> then, all right, cool. <laughs> that that just validates everything that uh, that uh, Strange just told him. That is true. So, yeah, Banner helps become the gateway for their 
ten- tenuous friendship, if you will, <laughs> between Strange mm-hmm. and Tony. And I think Wong helps too, because Wong is a lot more down to earth than than Doctor Strange. Wong, you invited my wedding. Yes. Uh. <laughs> now the real question is, do we think we'll ever see that wedding? <laughs> or, or maybe the better question is, even even if we do see it, even if we do see it, or it has taken place, is it still going to be in existence by the time Avengers Four gets resolved? Hmm. Yep. Here's the thing with here's with Banner knowing knowing everything. So was this some of the dark magic that uh? that Heimdall used to get him to Earth, or is there another reason why he's got total recall of everything that has happened on that ship when he was the Hulk? Because so, there's no reason to think that he ever transitioned back to Banner and then became the Hulk because we saw him as the Hulk when Ragnarok ended. So there's no hmm. reason to think that he changed back, but especially when Banner was afraid he'd never change back. That was a whole kind of, it was kind of an illogical connection, I thought, but he was always afraid, oh, if I change to the Hulk one more time, I might never come back. I don't know where his logic was in putting those dots together, but... Hmm. And Tony raises the interesting question that we've talked that comes up in the movie, I think, at a few times, the idea of, well, let's just destroy one stone, at least, (laughs) so he can't get them all. Hmm. Ice cream flavors, that's kind of funny. Um... Yeah, the, sheer, the sheer scope of sets in this movie is insane. Yeah, this was, I mean, when you listen to the comments, by the Russos especially, you have to, you really have to give credit where credit's due to begin with because they had to juggle so much in this movie. Uh, not just the characters, but they had to, but just to try to tell a cohesive story and to try not to, I mean, to, to obviously some characters got shortchanged. They made the point of saying many of the original Avengers, if they did get shortchanged in this movie, it's because they have a bigger role to play in Avengers Four. But they did a good, they did a good job of at least giving everybody their and look at, especially Doctor Strange. I mean, Doc, many people have pointed out that this is a better Doctor Strange movie than than the Doctor Strange movie. <laughs> it shows more of Doctor Strange's abilities and why he's unique. Hmm. One interesting thing about the commentaries during the scene, they said that uh, Tony knows that Vision has been seeing Wanda, and yet he hasn't been tracking him and uh, trying to hunt down Wanda and the rest of the team. That is true. That is a good point. And I, and I know some some people actually, but this is because you got to give again, you got to love people who, who have who put this much effort into it. That they 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 blew up some of the pictures on these on the flip phone. That they have between that Tony's flip phone here, and there's based on what was on the screen, it indicates that a that there were like text me- there's a, there was a text message on the phone that had been received, and that there was a, a, a there was something else which indicated that somewhere along the line, either like at this point that there had been some message was sent between Tony's Tony and and Steve at one point, whether it was just a text, and or after Banner gets the phone, that I think there's another thing on the screen. That indicates that there was. That's just what some people, based on the actual model of the phone and what those icons on the top would indicate. That I think uh, it's just yeah. It's, it's really interesting that you know they kind of because because you think about it, Bruce. Bruce is an interesting character in this movie because because <laughs> you can just imagine what it's like coming back into this world of the Avengers and so and so much has changed since he left in like two years. How much has changed? Ant-Man, Spider-Man, the Avengers breaking up, all, you know, the Vision. And yes, it's it's 
But part of what was speculated was that Tony, that more or less Tony and maybe the Cap was keeping more in touch with Tony, even if Tony wasn't keeping in touch with Cap. But it played along the idea that, yes, Tony was not, despite what he was supposed to be doing, he was not actively pursuing any of the, if you if we want to refer to, to them as the secret Avengers, nobody was, he wasn't really trying to track any of them down. <clears throat> hmm. And of course, those, those damn children of Thanos, the Black Order has to show up and interrupt Tony's phone call. Not that he really wanted to make this call, but... <laughs> you know, I'm curious what... I mean, so, you know, never mind. It, it, we'll bring it up when it actually happens, but I, I guess... I'll say it. Fuck it. I'm curious what the, 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 the uh, spell that... that um, that uh, Doctor Strange does to do, like actually does in this film, uh, not, not not throughout it, but when he when he throws up that yellow barrier or whatever as the ship is coming down, does it stop it from moving any further? Is it stopping the destruction? Is it halting the wind? Like what the hell is it doing? It looked, I th- I thought it looked like it did, it did something with the with the wind and the way it was affecting the environment. That's what it looked like at the time. Um, And having this obviously having this take place in New York is a good way to get a huge bunch of the characters into the movie at once, since we know Spider-Man's naturally going to be in New York. We know the odds are you know Tony was going to. It's very likely Tony would be somewhere around New York, since that's, since we know upstate is where the headquarters are. Doctor Strange, Wong, and I was also curious again why you know why Heim. This is what makes you think that at least the destination was was picked on purpose by Heimdall. It's like why you know. Exactly, crash into the sanctum. <laughs> it also makes you wonder if they're able to, to track Heimdall's thing, because they land just around the corner. Well, that from, is true. Yeah. Or it's just a, or it's that's true. Or a combination of having a general idea where he was going, plus they know that there's two stones on the planet anyway, and because they, they certainly seem to have no problems tracking the stones, uh, because as we'll find, see soon enough, they have no problem tracking down the vision. Mm-hmm. Ah yes, Bruce Banner's performance anxiety issues. <laughs> this part is funny though. His Tony's just waiting for it. Come on, man! Come on! Uh, I like Wong's like curious look. Like, uh, okay, what's happening? I'm sort of having a thing. <laughs> Ah, Tony, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizard. <laughs> I like the way Wong's looking out for Banner. <laughs> even though, even though Doctor Strange doesn't look out for Banner all that much, because he when he when he, yeah. when, he when he transports him in a few seconds, he, he he almost gets him killed by that car. <laughs> yeah, this whole this whole scene, you can if you just pay attention to Banner in the background, it's hilarious. It's watching. What the? Yeah. What are you? <laughs> so much has changed in two years. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's nanotech. You like it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And now Doctor Strange says, "Hey, you're at a dodge, and I'll give you this card too that almost will kill you." <laughs> 
<laughs> half a car. We're still flying half a ship. Uh, Ebony Maw's powers are interesting. Just the way he's able. Yeah, didn't they didn't they say in the commentary that he's like a a techno wizard or something like that or a, something something weird? Something like that. The way he's been able to manipulate you know the environment around him and everything. It's because you get a lot of that even when he's squaring off with Doctor Strange. Right. This scene is cool for multiple reasons, especially when Banner's beating the crap out of himself to try to get the Hulk out. <laughs> no! They certainly made Banner a much more interesting character, too. Both of them, actually. Yeah, he's a hero in his own right in this movie. Yes, I mean, which is kind of the point. I think almost like a hero's journey for Banner. But but they've done – because the Hulk has more personality now, too, it makes it – they're both likable. Very good introduction for Spider-Man. You know, the, the, this scene was so loud. When he says a field trip to the Museum of Modern Art, I thought he was saying, I came from the future. Like like he was saying some sort of, uh, like, you know, pop culture joke or something. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I heard the field trip part. I never I never realized where until I actually, until I put it on before and was watching it with the, with the cap, but the captioning that he does make it clear, that's exactly where they where their field trip was, was. So, yeah, this is good. No, 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 go ahead. It's it, Doctor. I mean, Doctor Strange. You really get to a good, a, a full, a better glimpse, I guess, of how powerful Doctor Strange really is in this movie. I mean, just, just you know, even though all his spell, everything he does, obviously doesn't succeed. Like, like, like he gets. Snagged here when he's trying to use the time stone, which you think he would have used before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, why? Why did you wait this long to use the time stone? You have it at your disposal. Why don't you just turn back the clock a few minutes? Uh, I mean, they they say it's been a couple of years since uh, since the events of the Doctor Strange movie, so you wonder if maybe after all that happened with him actually using the time stone last time, he's learned more about it, how he should be using it sparingly, and so on and true. so forth. That is true. Even, even though he, you know, he kind of purposely makes it clear that one of the reasons he's not getting rid of it or hiding it is because he may want to use it. But yes, I think maybe, maybe he's come closer to Wong's old view on it, and just like Wong has obviously moved a little closer to Strange's view on it. That you know sometimes it's not so bad to use. I'm being beamed up, Mister Stark. <laughs> <laughs> They do have such a good relationship, Spider-Man and, and Iron Man. It is really they they did it, they've done a really nice job in establishing that relationship. This part's cool. Oh yeah, for sure. Which definitely harkens back to the Doctor Strange movie when they're jumping jumping through all those portals. <laughs> it'd have been it'd been interesting if they just threw him in the place where they uh, they dropped off that one guy, and you just see this this desiccated husk of. One of the one of the followers. Yeah, <laughs> it's like well, like a go, like they're like Doctor Strange's version of the Phantom Zone, where they or the, where they send everybody they don't want to see again. Hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so they so they can come back five movies from now. Everybody gets released all at once. <laughs> and Tony always has some, always has something in a in a delivery vessel waiting to be called at any time. <laughs> hmm. It's good that we got to see both suits. 
We got to see right. the, the, reg, the quote unquote regular Spider Man suit, the Stark suit, and then we got to see obviously the Iron Spider suit that we're going to see in a second, which is and it's for a reason too. I mean, because they're going, he's going in space and in higher app in an atmosphere, oxygen deprived atmosphere, and things like that. It makes sense that so it so it isn't just oh it looks cool. I mean, it does serve a purpose and it, and it is a necessity. Spider-Man's gone! No, he's not. <laughs> you know, every upgrade that uh, Tony ever makes to his suits is always seems to be inspired by something that happened in a prior movie. It makes you wonder if Tony's going to install his own personal network inside of his suit where he can still reach out. Because he loses signal with Pepper, but he also loses signal with Friday, meaning that his contact with Friday is only available when he's within range of the satellite network of Earth. That's a good point, actually. And so I wonder, is that something that he'll fix for the next movie, or is there just too much going on to even bother with something like that? How how helpful is something like Friday to him? That is true. That is a good question. Uh, might be less, but based on the fa- his armor being nanotech now, maybe it's not as critical, since it's obviously his armor can adjust and do different things as opposed to, but. We'll see. Awfully convenient the phone survived. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's an old-school style phone, those things. Oh, yeah. I mean, it'd it make more sense if it was like an old-school Nokia. <laughs> and Wong's like, see ya. <laughs> of course, Wong could have taken him back with him. <laughs> yeah. It's like a- I, don't know why, I don't know why he's using the, the portal. Like, isn't the Sanctum Centaurum just around the corner? Can't you just walk over there? Yeah, you would think, you would think it was relatively... I like that rubber band man by the spinners playing. That's pretty. <laughs> and now we get the guardians, which is an interesting segue because with because at first you think, oh, maybe you're gonna there's gonna be some Captain America reference since that's who you assume he's, that Banner is calling. But no, this is our time to get the guardians into the movie because basically we need to get Thor back into the movie. <laughs> And the Guardians, several years after the last time we saw them, too. Mm-hmm. And not just because Chris Pratt looked like he gained, like, 15 pounds, but also because they make it... <laughs> because we know from... We, we talked about with Guardians, too, that uh, that in the big, the prologue for Guardians 2, it, like, takes place in, what, like, 1980, and it says, like, what... Or, like, 34 years later, which would have made it uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. So we know no matter how you slice it, as long as this movie's being set in... Being set... You know, even if it's being set in 2016 as opposed to 2018, no matter what, you still know there's a couple of year, couple of years have passed in real time. Plus, everybody's learned a bit of Groot. Groot's a teenager now. Yes, Groot's grown, which we saw obviously at the end of Guardians 2 as well that we knew he had age, which was part of the reason why. But bad attitude, Groot. Hmm. Whoa, language! <laughs> I still wish they'd give you an English track uh, for subtitles and then like a Groot translation track for subtitles. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, it would be cool. Just like if, just like if they had. The- I mean, even if it's only on the Guardians movies, come on. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. So now we get to. The- they're finding what's left of the Asgardian ship. Mm-hmm. And there's... <laughs> the pirate angel. <laughs> I 
<laughs> You're a dude. <laughs> Sometimes I, when I see this, I feel like every time we see Dra- see Dave Bautista on the screen, we should like we should sing uh, "Throwing It All Away" by Genesis every time we see him. <laughs> we'll talk about Dave Bautista later on in the movie more than not to take away from this movie as much, but. <laughs> Now, I wonder if this was by choice, to be fair. I wonder if they purposely wanted Quilt, wanted uh, Pratt to gain a little bit of weight for this movie to kind of designate that he was older. I'm just curious. Or, but, because there is a clear distinction, at least based, and not just the weight, just he just looks a lot different, at least in part right. of this movie. I'm not sure if some of the movies were because of some of these things were like during reshoots and stuff. But sometimes, but certainly in some parts of this movie, he he absolutely doesn't look nearly as uh, in shape. Let's put it this way, hmm. across the board, as he did in even the first two Guardians. Ah, uh, Thor. He's he's not an easy man to kill. I wish they would have said, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then he went, who? <laughs> <laughs> Just like they have, no, they have no idea who the Avengers are. Yeah. Now we get that great Gamora exposition that we saw in the trailer, which we kind of all suspected was being intercut with, with Tony improperly. Mm-hmm. And I like this little, oh, this tension scene, oh, Thor's not going to be happy. (laughs) But clearly, this actually makes a lot of sense, because if there's one person who's got a screwed up family even more than Gamora, it's Thor. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Stab me in the eye. I like the way he keeps rubbing Gamora's shoulder. <laughs> we, we probably should talk about the decision in this movie in general to make... To, I know you're kind of... You, you've expressed your thoughts, at least to me, about Star-Lord in general. <laughs> but the decision to make Star-Lord even more... Continuing the, the, continuing the trend of making Star-Lord even douchier every time we see him... I just don't know if that's really the way people want to be the best move, the best plan of action. Because he does come across pretty douchey in this movie. Yeah, yeah, they they mention it in the in the commentary, and it makes sense when you think about it. Is uh, how emotionally young he is. Like, because I mean, he was taken off Earth at ten years old, and then they 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 refer to him as Peter Pan. He he was taken off Earth at ten years old and raised by pirates. Essentially, so I mean, he's 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 not really as grown up as his physical body would would uh, would attest to. That is that is an explanation. That is true. I just mean from a likability perspective. Mm-hmm. That I, even without you know the the moment of the everybody goes back to which we'll talk about when we when we get there as we're watching the movie, but. I'm just looking at the arc of Star-Lord and all three times we've seen him so far, and I think he's become less likable oh. in all three. And I mean, he was likable for like half Guardians 2, 
and but he kind of was a little he was kind of douchey in Guardians too, and in this movie he was mo- he's m- mostly that way too. And again, they give you explanations for it because of his ties to Gamora. But when I compare that to Rocket, because Rocket was kind of cool in the first movie, he was in a, kind of an ass in the second movie. But this, but the Rocket in this movie is more like the Rocket we saw in the first movie. He's a lot more likable. So Drax kind of yeah. stays constant. And I like Man. I and, and we haven't seen enough to Manta, of Mantis to see any great development. But Mantis, I kind of liked in the sec, in Guardians two anyway, and she stays. She certainly stays in character. There's nothing that's that's dramatically changed about her that makes you question it. Gamora has has softened. I think Gamora has softened, and obviously Nebula, to a certain extent, has also softened. Um. <laughs> I would very much like to go there. <laughs> Uh, I, I also like I also like the fact that you know they, the Russos they talked about how they purposely wanted to put Rocket with uh, Thor because of kind of like this how you know how skeptical and sarcastic you know Rocket is and and because of how fragile Thor is you know emotionally and psychologically right. that he is like he is broken that that it's just just the way they would, the way they would play, the char- how the characters would play off each other. That's one of the, in general, that's one of the things that's really interesting about the uh, d- the director's commentary is the fact that how they how they purposely talk about you know, that they they set things up, especially thematically and musically for the like, like the big entrances in the movie, one of which we'll be getting here relatively soon. Uh, that that those were decisions that were made, you know, consciously. You know, it was that because to get the reaction, and because it would be a, a big moment in the movie, so right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I really, I really hope. Assuming we do get to see a Guardians three at some point, even though I'm sure we will see the, some of the characters again, regardless. I, I, I really hope we get it. Groot is beyond this teenage stage by then, because he is annoying. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be interesting to to see uh, how different the new adult Groot yes. is from the old adult Groot. I agree. I think that would be cool to see, and I think we're ready. We're ready for that now because even though Groot has he has a couple funny moments in the movie, and obviously he has he has one big mo- he has one big moment in the movie that he he is kind of easy. Other than that, he is kind of useless, but he's annoying. And that's kind of, I mean, Baby Groot, Baby Groot was wasn't annoying. He wasn't really annoying. They probably over, they tried to overuse the cuteness of it. I think a little bit in Guardians too. That, but since I've watched it so many times on Netflix, that's kind of, I've kind of moved beyond that now. But at least he was cute, and at least he was he, his heart was essentially kind of in the right place. But teenage Groot doesn't quite, doesn't quite have that working for him. Ah, uh, the right. Scarlet Witch and Vision. I like how it takes place in Scotland and the and the reasoning they mentioned in the commentary for that. Yes, and I also like I thought of you actually when we. I'm glad you got the chance to watch the commentary because I thought of you because of Denny O'Neill when they talk about how they all how, how the Russos also have don't have much of a use for all powerful characters. Mm-hmm. How, how how that when they have characters that are almost omnipotent that their 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 immediate goal pretty much is to is to cripple them either physically or psychologically. So, with Thor, it's more, it's more of a psychological crippling, uh, and obviously the Vision, as we're, 
as we're going to get in a second, the vision is uh, more of a physical crippling because of how fit, how strong the vision is. They had to figure out, I guess, a way to to weaken him so he wouldn't be able to help deal with a lot of the threats that they're dealing with on Earth, at least until Thanos shows up by himself. So, right. And I'm curious because Wanda does try to try to heal his wound. I wonder if Wanda ever 100% succeeded if it would have at least if she could have at least course corrected the uh, the damage to him which basically prevented him from using his phasing right one thing that one thing I'm curious about in all of this is where we go from here because okay Avengers 4 is going to do its thing maybe some people come back maybe some people don't doesn't really matter let's say like Thor Wanda etc are 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 back are 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 lasting until beyond Avengers four. Where do we go from here in future Avengers films? Because we've had the slow build of Wanda's power, the slow build of Thor's power, and now we get this movie and Thor is you know using the Bifrost with with Stormbreaker, taking down people, taking down ships. I mean, like he is. OP in this movie and then Wanda does her thing especially in Wakanda uh, you know and all this so like you, you they're they're just getting more and more powerful and it helps in this narrative of going up against Thanos and everything but what about all other threats from here on out I think it greatly depends on what they're yeah because certainly Feige has hinted at that the future, or at least the immediate future, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is not going to be the typical straightforward phases that we've seen before. Mm-hmm. That it's going to be different. So it is – well, it's never been explicitly said that we're not going to see another Avengers movie because that would be stupid to say that because I don't think you'd ever want that. It is possible that they're going to avoid doing Avengers, an Avengers movie for a while because until they build up whatever they decide the next big threat's going to be. Uh, so – Probably something related to the Scrolls. Fantastic Four universe, yeah. or Galactus and things like that. And yeah, because obviously we know they want <laughs> thin fan foam. <laughs> <laughs> because we know they want they want to do more with the uh, <clears throat> cosmic part, mm-hmm. the, and now they obviously can since they got they they've gained a lot of those a lot of that back. So it'll be curious to see what they do. Uh, now we're about to get the first of the major entrances in this movie, which is kind of cool the way they tie it into basically, if you will, classic Avengers music that they that we kind of we don't get a heavy dose of in this movie, but we get it a few times and 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 this and we get the first hint of it really here with uh, <clears throat> the reveal of Cap, which is interesting itself. I still found it surprising, like like when. When I went to go see the fan event for this, that some people were still surprised that that's who it was because they pretty much tra- showed you the scene in the trailer. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I know there are, there are a lot of people who don't watch the trailer though. That is true. They're just like, I know I'm going to go see the movie. I don't need to see any bit of it. <laughs> my my ticket is sold with the name of the name of the movie. <laughs> I guess that's that's a valid point. I just and it's cool. I mean, mind you, it's 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 cool when people don't necessarily know it's the same reason why i like knowing the spo- knowing the spoilers going in part partially because you know just to see how other people react when they actually get to see them happen and unfold on the screen uh <clears throat> i do i i like the fact that 
they make it clear that because of how how well and how long all these secret Avengers have been working together that they're able to catch the Black Order off guard and be able to basically hold their own and do better than that against about against characters that are clearly physically overall more powerful than they are, but because they are better as a unit, they are better such a cohesive unit that they're able to compensate. Uh, I kind of like the fact that even though I, I I'm never I'm never going to say I like this version of Cap compared to the old version of Cap, you know, because just because it it's kind of hard to see a jaded version of Cap really just because of who he is. It's it's not it doesn't seem natural, but I, I I'm not going to deny that I kind of like that almost from the first time you see see his face in this movie, you could tell he's got an attitude. Not a bad. I don't mean like a. I don't mean like a chip on his shoulder attitude. But you. But obviously, it's a guy who's been through a lot, and he's and he's not going to take anybody's shit. Not, not just that. If you notice, Cap has probably one of the more minimal roles in this film. Out of anybody, like he has, he has a bit of a moment in the Avengers uh, headquarters when he's they're trying to make their plan about where they're going to go. They're going to go to Wakanda, all that other stuff. But beyond that. He barely says slash does anything in this film, and you have to. So, so Avengers Four is going to be really interesting. And you have to wonder. You have to wonder if part of that was because, which it's funny because when I heard <clears throat> when I heard this on the commentary track, it actually made me feel. Well, they talked. They talked about it in the commentary track, and I actually re- saw it somewhere else too. But it makes me feel a little bit better because obviously we all make predictions about these things, and sometimes you're like completely off, and sometimes you're not. But the idea, in my mind's eye, for some reason when they were when they were first making this movie, I kind of thought Cap wasn't going to be in most of it. I figured mm-hmm. he was just going to come in at the end. Uh, well, yeah, and they and they make that point yes. in the com- the commentary that that moment when when Cap tackles uh, what Thanos who is about to take on vision or or, or one of the dark the black order uh, yeah. one of the one of the black order that that was going to be one one of the earlier drafts that was going to be one of the introductions of cap yep so that could possibly be an explanation for why even though they obviously went back to bring him into the movie more that might have been why he's not in it that much besides the fact it's kind of already been said that we know he's going to have a his he's going to have a much bigger arc and have a much bigger role in Avengers four. So obviously Avengers three was never supposed to be Cap's story, and and now we have the 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 baby the little Gamora. The actress is really cool. Plays little Gamora. Mm-hmm. Actually, not just because she's cute, you can kind of see that the, that you could see her growing up to be adult Gamora just because. Just the way this whole this, the scenes are acted between Thanos and Gamora, I think. B- uh, young Gamora. Uh, evidently, Zoe Zaldana and the girl who plays little Gamora spent a lot of time together. That's right. That is true. Mm-hmm. And here we go. Let's let's ask Peter for. <clears throat> it, I mean, it's it's. It, one of the things about Gamora, which is it, which is weird, it's like in this movie, and we've talked about it, it's like what. If Gamora has this secret, right, why would she tell anybody about the secret? Including any, that she, even if you're not telling, hey, hey, this is where it is. Why would you let anybody know that you even knew where it was? <laughs> so, so she's because she's smart in not telling it to Peter for that very reason. Because then Peter would know it too. But she had no problem at least letting uh, Nebula know that she knew where the stone was. And that doesn't make, and to me, that still doesn't make a lot of sense. 
I know they're. I know they they were closer, or the hint was they were they were they certainly were in a better position at the end of Guardians too. But still, I mean, even if you want to assume you can trust Nebula, which I think would still be shaky. If you're Thanos and you're going and you're going after if you're going after Gamora, you know she's got a weak spot for Nebula, so why would so that would kind of make sense that she would. I, to me, that never. That's one thing in this movie that doesn't make a lot of. It doesn't make a lot of sense in this movie. Part part of it could just be a setup, just so. But Nebula, by the end of this movie, not only she absolutely knows specifically where the Soul Stone had been, so she survives. So if the plan is in Avengers Four to try to regather the stones before Thanos gets them by going back in time, Nebula will know where the Soul Stone is. So she'll have the upper hand in that case. Because she she knows where it is now, but in this movie, her even knowing that her sister knows where it is, even if she didn't know the planet, she wasn't told specifically. I don't know. I think that's kind of to me that kind of I haven't reconciled myself with that. But that could just be me. Oh, Drax. And technically, it's her fault that Thanos is doing everything now because if she didn't tell Nebula and then Nebula didn't go after Thanos and capture Thanos captured right. it, and Thanos wouldn't know. That that uh, Gamora knows where the Soul Stone is, and then be, decided to launch because there was no point in him launching his entire campaign until he knew where to get every stone. Right, that is yeah. true. Yeah, uh, yeah. There are there are there are some questionable de- questionable decisions in the movie with regards to some of the stones, uh, or and decisions in the past too, really. But this, but the one about the Soul Stone is that's that's kind of a that is kind of a head scratcher in this one. Just like obviously, you know, Thor's some of Thor's decision making in this movie at towards, especially towards the end. This, I mean, or Peter's, you know, they're all. But obviously, we all know in the big picture, this is the way things are supposed to be. Hmm. Which may be a cop out. It may be too. It may be too easy and out to say. All these people that are acting, maybe not acting as logically or, or as rationally as they should. Oh, but that's that's because Doctor Strange knew this was the way it had to be. <laughs> right. Now the head of nowhere is supposed to be a celestial, right? Yes, I was. Uh, yes, it was a, a dead celestial. Yeah, a class a classic celestial, a dead celestial. Yes, from what I remember. It makes me. It makes me wonder uh, when we're going to see some more because. Uh, I mean, there's got to be some still around in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they're at the edge of the universe or some forgotten corner of the universe or whatever. But the fact that the Guardians fly the ship through the eye and there's still lots of room to spare, then you compare that with the images that the Collector showed them in the first Guardians movie of that one Celestial using the Power Stone to wipe out that planet. Right. When you compare those two sizes, that celestial is like a baby compared to whatever the size of this celestial must have been. Right. So it's just like, you know, there's there's clearly dozens of them. Where are they at? I want to see more of them. I want to see I mean, I I think if we I, I think bottom line, I just want to see you mentioned Galactus earlier. I think Galactus really should be the next threat. Because you can get into the Celestials, you can get into the universe, you can get into maybe the multiverse, perhaps, in terms of the, the Marvel 616 stuff and all that stuff. But at the very least, you could get into the birth of the universe, uh, you can get into Galactus, you can get into the Celestials, you can get into, I mean, all of this stuff. So it's just, 
I don't know. I just think it'd be. I think it'd be cool to see. No, I think it would. I think it would be too. And again, with the Celestials, assuming you know Peter's going to be around for a while once once he comes back, that makes you wonder if if he'll be able to access some of his power again. Mm-hmm. Because if his, if Ego was really a Celestial, even if he's not your classic looking Celestial, that's how you know Peter's power was tied to. Uh, you know that that same that same energy that the energy that was in the planet, which is basically celestial energy. So if he was around other celestials, would he be able to access that power again? Since he has half their genes, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> if only he had, he had kept that. Uh, I was gonna say if only he had kept that power, it could have come in handy against Thanos. Gamora, you should have gone for the head. <laughs> Now, even though we're a, well, we're a little bit away before this becomes a huge factor in this movie. What did what did you think? Did you think it was an, a problem with Thor needing to go get an get another weapon again to be able to unleash all that power after Ragnarok made the point of saying that that was just a point a way for him to focus the power that he already had that the hammer was nothing more than a way for him to focus his power that it basically didn't give him his power. And then in this movie, it's like, oh, I gotta get this, I gotta get this weapon, or else I can't. Now Thanos, maybe it's a different kind of threat, maybe, but it does. I, it's not something I thought about during the movie a lot, but I thought about it after the fact that it's like, well, now he's kind of like walking back a little bit, like he doesn't have enough power himself, but he needs. But once he gets a new hammer, essentially, now he can have the power to defeat Thanos. Uh, yes and no. I mean, like I, I get what you're saying, but at the same time, like it's not just that; it's going to be like. A conduit for the Bifrost. Uh, I mean, the it it's it's got to it's not just Thanos he's taking on or the stones. It's the gauntlet itself. So the I mean it's because Thanos has his own inherent power too. So it's just like maybe Thanos and Thor are evenly matched. You know, going up one on one against each other. But now that he's got the gauntlet and the stones, Thor needs something extra. I can see that. Plus, nothing's ever going to convince me that going the route of a, of st- bringing Stormbreaker to the, in the MCU is bad. <laughs> I know. I, I I'm cl- I'm I'm old school though in the sense that I, I do I do miss the hammer, even though obviously we're going to see it in some way, shape, or form in uh, Avengers Four. Mm. But I do miss. I mean, Stormbreaker was cool. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. That it was cool. It's just not classic, classic Thor. Hmm. Oh, the, the father meeting the boyfriend for the first time. <laughs> obviously, he must. He he has obviously heard of of Quill. So I wonder what I wonder if Quill kind of was if he lived up to his expectation or not. I hope they introduce Beta Ray Bill soon. Yeah, because we know he exists in this universe. Right, for sure. Maybe they'll be giving giving away these magical weapons once everything's all <laughs> once all the damage is undone by Thanos. <laughs> Peter Dinklage should be back in business. He'll be back. He'll he'll have back orders. <laughs> Or somehow Mjolnir comes back and Thor gives up Stormbreaker 
to beta. It's a possibility, or or the weapon will be lost, but not they, they, maybe they'll think it's destroyed, it's lost, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not really destroyed. Uh, plus, plus for me anyway, I I hold out hope that with the hammer, with, with us seeing the hammer, at least in flashbacks and some or time traveling in some way, that we we'll, we might still get the scene where Cap lifting it. Mm-hmm. I will. I will openly admit. I will be. I will be very disappointed, especially if, if Cap ends up being offed in some way, which is probably likely, in Avengers Four, and we, and he never gets to lift that hammer. I think that's. I still will think that's crappy. Well, I mean the same. The same way everyone's going to be shocked if it uh, at the by the end of Avengers Four, if nobody said Avengers Assemble. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. You would think. Yeah, you would think at least when they're. The, the big battle, whatever, they, towards the end of the movie, you would think at the very least they're going to say that. Mm. So it is – I know they kind of at least almost gave us that at the end of uh, Ultron, but it's not – It's not. It, but that's – you're right. Not saying it is – and if it turns out the friggin' the, – the only other character in all the – in all this – in the entire universe that picks up Thor's hammer other than Thor is the Vision. And I'm a Vision guy, but I still would think that would suck. <laughs> Mm. It should be Cap. It really should be Cap. <laughs> uh, Thunderbolt Ross always having to be a dick. Yeah, I don't think I've ever read or seen a story with Thunderbolt where you didn't want to just punch him in the face. They're far and few between. He's almost like the General Lane, you know? Yeah, yeah. Probably. Because General Lane in the DCU has always been like that. Yeah, Thunder, Thunderbolt Ross is kind of leg, you know legendary like that. He's kind of he's kind of like he's kind of like J Jonah Jameson. I know they've they've obviously walked back J Jonah Jameson in the comic books multiple times to try to make him less of a douchebag, but 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 when you first think of the character, the classic representation of the character that you know they're kind of like you know the the curmudgeon, the un the unyielding in their in their beliefs that so and so is a jerk or a bad guy even. Regardless of all the evidence to the contrary, <laughs> mm-hmm. I like I like to see I liked this uh, reintro to with Banner and and that I think that's cool, and I like because of because of the way Cap looks at them. That's what I really liked about the scene. I liked the way Cap, Cap that you see it's the smile Cap has and everything. Just you can just see that. It, <clears throat> it kind of it kind of means something to Cap, probably because he knows it means something to Nat. Mm-hmm. Because because at this point, because <laughs> clearly at this point we know uh, Cap and Natasha have such a strong relationship. Yeah, which we knew it to begin with, but Civil War kind of reaffirmed it because at the end, because she couldn't just basically help him get captured. Makes me wonder uh, how much of I mean, are we ever going to get some more information, more uh, exposition, story, whatever it may be, uh, a, an on-screen moment again, trying to explore that Nat and Banner thing, or was that moment it? You know, like you chose to leave, we're done. You know, we're not, why why bother going backwards and retracing this anymore? Not that I not that I want to there to you know become let's go back to that because i didn't really like it in the first place but at the same time they did introduce it so it has to be resolved in some way right i i would 
I would think we're going to get at least some tie into it, if if maybe not a pure resolution of it. But I think we'll I think I think we'll get some ties to it because it may factor into what's going on with with Banner and the Hulk and, and how they reconcile. Plus, it also plus at this point it's really hard to to project too far ahead, only because we don't really. It depends on who's going to be left standing at the end. Hmm. You know, if, is is Natasha going to survive? Is is the Hulk going to survive? And if he does, you know, what what version are we getting? Are we going to get the the Smart Hulk or Professor Hulk when back? Which you know, you have to think we're, we're going to get a merger somehow, even though it seems weird based on where they are. If they're going to be basically be willing to merge together, something's going to. There's got to be a catalyst, whether that's going to be Nat or something else. There's got to be a catalyst because right now it's like they really are two. They're they are they are like they're warring the two personalities fighting over the same host body. That's what it's really like. So in order for them to come together. To be one being, there's got to be a catalyst for that. So maybe she'll factor in. Yeah, we got the cap, the, the cap reference to Wakanda. Which again, based on everybody who saw the trailers, that's no surprise either. <laughs> uh, Bucky. I like how long they took to bring Bucky back around. I mean, it, it, they, 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 they took their time with Bucky. I like that. No, I think they and and luckily they were able to. They they based on the way the movies were gonna were scheduled to come out, it made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, they could have had they could have had Bucky be they could have had Bucky theoretically, I guess, show up a little earlier. But I like the fact that it made perfect sense that he would be in the after credit scene for Black Panther. It made perfect sense that now. You know, now when the shit's about to hit the fan, that now it's time to give him his vibranium arm over here. Uh, and plus, it's a good moment for Cap to have uh, Bucky be not not just thought out, be basically be deprogrammed. Hmm. Kind of good. No good. I'm curious. I'm curious about how they how they know the fight's on its way. Well, prob- did any did any of that exposition we just got tell us that they knew? Well, I well because Bucky said something about you know where's the fight or, or where's the fu- something right and 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 T'Challa says it's on its way, but as they're walking up to Bucky, none of, nothing in that conversation mentioned that they just heard from Cap or anything. No, I, you're right. Nothing nothing cements it. We just assume that it we assume that it took place. Um, I, so, hmm. it, it is. What, like, are they are they are they monitoring the stuff that's happening in New York? I mean, like, could be both. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's, it's probably it's probably both. The fact that they obviously are aware of what's been going on, and clearly, you know, uh, Black Panther and Cap have been in touch. You know, they mm-hmm. had, they their relationship has continued since Civil War. So. Speaking of which, of things we need, we we get, we have, we absolutely need to get Cap getting the shield back. Mm-hmm. Not, even if he's borrowing his his shield from the past, you know, when when they're when they're time jumping, he needs to get that. Uh, I was a little, I mean, I, I was a little disappointed we didn't get the shield back in this movie, but it makes sense because Iron Man has to have it. Iron mm-hmm. Man has to have the original shield. Not that uh, T'Challa couldn't have made him a new one. He clearly could have made him a new one, but. But maybe he needs to be in that place where he wants to 
for what that shield represents. He's probably got to be in a better frame of mind for it to be symbolically important again to him. All the Iron Man, Spider-Man stuff is really good in this movie. And of course, of course, the Cloak of Levitation is like its own character in this whole scene. I really like that. <laughs> uh, Peter and his pop culture references. Evidently, they they said uh, they said that uh, at the beginning of the movie, Tony mentions having a kid, and then at the end of the movie, he technically loses one. Yes. Yeah. So that was cool. I, it makes really it makes more sense too. Like when you get that moment here in a few moments when Strange is like, "I'm curious about the relationship here. Is he your ward or like?" <laughs> yeah, that that was that that was a that was a nice touch. Die, Ma. <laughs> and this was this was important to at least be able. Some would say it's too easy, but it is kind of relevant to show that at least they're capable of killing members of the Black Order off. Mm-hmm. As we see, I mean, obviously, when we get to the end of the movie, we're going to see the majority of the Black Order get wiped out. But, but the point is that this is like your first real, your first real victory, if there's going to be one. There was a, you know, there was a border, there was a, a stalemate or a borderline victory when Cap when they rescued Vision. But this is their first, you know, big victory, if you will, for what is. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, but I mean, I know that. That Tony and and Spidey and Strange are all powerful and and interesting. I almost wish there was a, another character here, and I don't know why. It just feels weird with just the three of them. Any character in particular you do you think would? would no, fit? I, I no nothing. I mean, I, it's not even really a fully formed thought. It's just every time I see this film, I'm looking at this this pairing of these three. Uh, of, uh, of these three individuals, and I'm just like, there's something missing here, or someone missing, and I don't know who or what. Is it? Is it? Does it affect you this way because you see Tony and Peter on the same side, and Strange by himself, or do you, so? Do you, is it something where you think just from a balancing of the equation, or do you just think that there should be somebody else to be bouncing ideas and lines off of? I, I, more the latter than the former, but definitely parts of the former. Maybe a balance sort of it, but I just feel like there should, should be somebody else there to bounce things off of. But I mean, like maybe you could almost make it. Uh, I mean, it would be another. It'd be another on the side of Tony and, and Spidey. But like you know, that's well, that's why I'm thinking like it kind of sucks that like Friday isn't here. So you're just another voice in, in the equation. Gotcha. Or, or or Wong. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, just somebody, something. But it made sense why Wong had to stay behind, but yes. Right. You know, see, Wong would have been cool because, as we said, Wong is kind of more like a – the way – at least the way he communicates is more like an everyman compared to Strange. Mm-hmm. And he's always closer to – so basically he would be – he would be Strange as Peter to you – know, he would be the yeah. Strange as, as – uh, He'd be strange as Peter. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, he'd be strange as Peter. <laughs> He's got a strange Peter. But uh, we'll be here all night, folks. Uh, I like this. At least for another two hours. Well, not that far, but I'm not looking at the timestamp. How I long am, are we? It's a, it's a little over an hour five into the movie, so we have a, we have a little, a little over an hour, hour fifteen or something left to go. Ah, mm. uh, here we go. 
maybe it wasn't a good idea to put off watching the commentary track until right before we <laughs> recorded this. So now I'm watching this movie for the second time today. <laughs> Was that is this the first time you've watched it since you got it, or is just the first time you've the, watched it with the track? This is this is the third time I've watched it since I've got it. The, today. Uh, so, so the the moment ago I watched it with the commentary track was the first time I watched it with the commentary, but the second time seeing it after purchasing it on Blu-ray. <clears throat> I, I gotta admit though, my 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 DVD shelf feels so cool now having Iron Man one all the way through to Avengers: Infinity War right next to each other on the shelf. <laughs> oh, you have every single one of the Marvel movies. I have every single one on Blu-ray. Although my freaking dad, man, like he's he's like spiritual uh, and like into naturalism in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, using, you know, herbs, spices, various plants across the earth and stuff to to heal you and, and, you know, not eating processed foods. And like he's got like a spiritual naturalist sort of Christian approach to the world and everything. So I thought Doctor Strange would be something really meta and mystical and cool because there's that moment with, um, uh, with the, the ancient one, when Dr. Strange first encounters her, when she's, you know, he, she throws him through that <laughs> mind bending reality thing. She's like, there's more to the world than you could, you've seen, you know, that sort of thing. I knew my dad would love that. So I let him borrow my Dr. Strange movie because it came with a DVD and a Blu-ray. And my dad, you know, he's just like anybody's dad. He doesn't have the latest technology. So I, <laughs> I took the, the Blu-ray out of the case and let him borrow the DVD. And now he can't find the case. <laughs> so I have the Dr. Strange Blu-ray sitting on the shelf without the case. <laughs> so <laughs> although now I have every movie on Blu-ray, I'm missing that Dr. Strange case and it's a bit irritating, but for those of you who don't know, my stepmother's pregnant, uh, and uh, she's actually due. They're going to be shit. Today's Wednesday. They're uh, as we record this, they're going to be inducing her a week early you know, on Wednesday of next week. So <laughs> I'm going to have a little brother. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'll be 31 years old with a little brother, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, Maybe not the best time to push my dad for where the hell is that movie <laughs> when he's expecting a baby at oh god he's fifty eight. <laughs> oh, gotta love the midlife crisis. Uh, but uh, yeah, sorry, weird tangent. This is an important part. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently not. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, I guess this this definitely. You know, foreshadows the uh, the fact that Thanos clearly, even though he's a dick, because you're gonna this part of it, this ca- this counteracts the sweetness that we kind of the sweet part of it, but he clearly does care for Gamora, uh, even if he has some strange ways of showing it. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna take yeah. my sister apart piece by piece. You know what's interesting in this scene with the commentary track on is what the Russos, I believe, or maybe the writers, I'm not sure, were saying about they because they they mentioned several different things. Like towards the beginning of the movie, (laughs) they said "no shit, Sherlock," and they're like, "Everybody really, everybody really wants us to do that, but sometimes the obvious joke is is not the joke you should go for." Blah blah blah. They also mentioned here in the commentary during this scene. 
that uh, everybody was like, hey, Thanos, why don't you just uh, double the resources of the universe? And, you know, the the whole movie's from Thanos' point of view, and it's not just, you know, not only is he the only one with the will to do this, but he's got a almost messiah complex, like, and he's a bit of a sociopath. I mean, I, clearly, you, you get that in the movie. He's the big bad villain. He's going to destroy half the universe, blah, blah, blah. But they quite literally say in the commentary that not only is that something that that he just doesn't do, the thought never even occurred to him. Is what they essentially say. That every, he had this prediction for what was going to happen to Titan. And if the, if the idea didn't happen, and then it happened, thus justifying his idea. So he has already seen and lived out the proof, and it is cemented in, in, in his idea, uh, in his brain, as a good idea and a solution, because he has seen the result. So why would he ever even consider an alternative option be, upon having lived through the proof of his thought process? From the Thanos point of view, I suppose that makes sense. I was think when I was watch when I was thinking about this when I was watching the commentary track the first time and I just listening to other videos online about yeah why doesn't he just double the resources or make infinite resources? He he also could have friggin he could have also like sterilized half the universe. Mm-hmm. He could have prevented half the universe from reproducing. Which at the very least would be slowing the growth rate down tremendously across, you know. So he he could just as easily have done that because you think about it. Well, he's wiping out half the people now, but it doesn't mean that you know the populations aren't going to eventually reach the same amount, the same numbers. You know, even if it takes millions of years down the road, they're going to get back to the same number again, the same. Right. So you would think. So why not? Just, he could have just done that, and he wouldn't have killed anybody. He just would have been preventing them from having from reproducing. Yeah, this stuff is this this scene is cool with Thor and Rocket because because you see Rocket kind of on a way out of his element trying to. Well, he's also clearly learned from Yondu. Yes, true too. And from from the previous movie, because because Yondu gave him that big speech about the way he shuts everybody out and all this stuff, and 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 now you know this is clearly, you know, you said at least two years later for the Guardians. So he's clearly taken that time to get to know his teammates. You know, he's technically raising Groot, uh, you know, with all this, all this stuff going on. So, and some time has passed. So he's let that lesson sort of sink in. It's still uncomfortable for him because Rocket's Rocket, but at the same time, he's trying. <laughs> he's you, 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 him having this conversation in the first place is showing growth on Rocket's end, right? And he's, and he's trying. He's also trying, and he's legitimately trying to figure out, you know, really what's going on with Thor. Is he really? Because this is, in order to pull this off, even if he gets the, we- even if he can get the weapon that he's planning on getting, he just need- He's just trying to see if Thor has got the right mindset for this. <laughs> which, which, considering everything Thor went through, as he points out a few seconds that he's basically he's got nothing else left to lose. Which, yeah. which, on, which on one level actually turns out to be incorrect. That's kind of the iron. That is kind of the irony of, of his statement because, he, he was correct that he was correct in his assessment that he could be Thanos, but because, of, but because of in a way his arrogance not to finish the job or, 
where he where he chose to throw his weapon, <laughs> he did end up failing, and then he and he did. And after the fact, you find out well, you did have more to lose because basically you helped you helped half the universe get wiped out because of that decision. <laughs> so it'd be curious to see what kind of place Thor is in when we first see them, which we assume we will see them all in you know in post snap reality before. So that's when you assume you're going to that uh that's where Ant Man will end up showing up in post snap. Uh, well, you you also got to be curious. What's the conversation going to be like between Thor and Rocket post snap? I mean, you can, Rocket's got to be pretty freaking pissed at Thor. That is true. But that's also a. I'm trying to remember how where exactly everybody was on the battlefield at that time to see that if everybody absolutely saw, but we got as good a look because not everybody could have gotten as good a look as we did, seeing that 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 Thor threw the axe and went all through went through the power and then went right through in Thanos's chest. Not everybody probably saw that, uh, so they may not. I mean, but Thor is probably going to be honest enough to admit his mistake and say, you know, I. I should have gone. Yeah. There. Yeah. So that. But you are correct. It'll. It'll. It'll be interesting. But. It'll be very interesting to see how, if they're fractured at all, or just between that and their will being sucked out of them from from failing, and then see how that changes. Basically, when, when Ant Man, seemingly is going to give them the opening that they're going to need because of the PIM technology, so to be able to go back and. Get their, get their chance to set things right. Well, we should say, I mean, I, I, I know you and I discussed this a little bit in a prior episode, but everything you're saying to that r- respect is just, is is rumor. It is. Yeah. He- he- heavily. You're, you're, you're speaking about it, you're speaking about it like it's fact. I'm speaking it, about it like it's fact. It's not, we don't know 100% it's going to be true. It's, based on everything we hear, we have seen, it is highly likely that at least part of it is going to be true. Right, right. I'm just. I know, just, I know. It's not. Yeah. It's not been confirmed because we friggin' don't even know what the damn title of the of Avengers Four is yet. Right. Um, let alone seeing any official pictures. We've seen leaked pictures, but we haven't seen anything. But yes, it's it's not confirmed. So what I'm saying is speculation. But based on everything we've seen, even with the the unofficial shots and the, what we were told at the end of Ant Man, purposely them throwing in the time vortex thing. It would certainly make sense. I am certainly more convinced there's going to be time travel involved than any, than multiversing involved. I don't think there's. Mm-hmm. Going, I don't. I don't necessarily think I believe there's going to be multiversing involved. I think it's just going to be time travel. Mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be time travel, and that explains why, when you think about it, it does explain why so many of the characters that survived survived because so because all of them know where Infinity Stones were are are going to be. You know, Thor knew about besides knowing about the Tesseract, he knew where the what the uh, the what the Reality Stone was, and the guard. And because Nebula's around, Nebula knew what happened to the power to the Power Stone. She knew what ended. She knew where that ended up going. She also obviously knows where the Soul Stone is. Everybody, the Tony, and basically all the Avengers know where the Mind Stone was going to end up. And Doctor Strange, they know, and they know, and Tony clearly knows that Doctor Strange is the one who is going to end, who is going to have the Time Stone. So, plus, you know, pretty much you got the core of, other than uh, War Machine surviving, which is kind of an interesting choice. 
that uh, you got the, the, the classic the core Avengers back since we are certainly led to believe that uh, Clint survived. We haven't seen him, but we are led to believe Clint survived since he's definitely supposed to be in Avengers 4. I wonder if uh, War Machine's there, too, to sort of fill in for Tony. Because what if Tony doesn't make it back, you know, oh, quite in yeah. quite in time? You know, like he's still out in space with Nebula doing something else. I don't know what that something else would be, but just FYI. I mean, just like maybe, well, you, maybe War Machine is there to fill a Stark's or an Iron Man sort of role. Now, you, But you're talking just in that movie, right? Yeah. I thought first when you first said it, I thought you were talking about looking going forward in the in the MCU. No, 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 no. Because to me that to me that makes a little more that makes a little more sense to me if if they end up losing Tony, that obviously as the art as the as the genius, obviously you know Rhodey's not going to come going to take that role, but having somebody basically some some dude wearing an Iron Man suit more or less he he could he could take that role. You have to assume that. See, we don't. We also don't. Have, we have no idea like how far after the snap, you know, this movie is going to begin. Right. So we don't know. I mean, you would have to think at some point, uh, Nebula and, and Tony can get back to Earth. I mean, it just really depends on Captain Marvel, where that movie ends things up. That's true, and we also don't know what her role is going to be in when she when yeah we don't don't know what her role is going to be in Avengers four and when she shows up in Avengers four. Um, so, because unlike because they they mentioned in this movie uh, or in the commentary that um, uh, black the the Umbaku and and the others they the the you know the chant that they do was more uh, was not scripted right because because the Russos and stuff didn't they didn't know about it uh, because Black Panther was filming you know in the same area at the same time or whatever uh, so when they came over to the Infinity War set they just started doing it uh, when they were all lined up and they're like oh shit that's a thing <laughs> same with Wakanda forever uh, because you know the, the they they didn't know now I wonder, they, they didn't this know how a, they didn't know how important it was going to be. They didn't right. know the relevance of it. Right. So now that Avengers Four is already been filmed, what's going to happen in an, in uh, in, in uh, the Captain Marvel movie that aligns so perfectly with Avengers Four? If Avengers Four has already been filmed, how heavily has what happened in Avengers Four retroactively affected the script and story for Captain Marvel? For the actual movie, I don't think it'll do much since we know that movie's set in the past. So, other than maybe the after credit scene, I don't see how it's going to have. I don't know. Um, well, is the entirety of the Captain Marvel movie set in the past? I believe so. I think it's supposed to be set. Yeah, I think I think the, the I think the 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 overwhelming majority of the movie is supposed to be take place in the '90s. So, which is why we have the younger, two-eyed Nick Fury. <laughs> Jesus, that was a good line. <laughs> oh, these guys. We're the Avengers, dude! Thor. That's a cool throw in there to get everybody a little peace of mind. Yeah, the same the same way like when Banner walks onto the scene, yeah. it's like, yeah. yeah. 
Let's let's end the bickering. We're clearly on the same page. Name drop. <laughs> and plus, it should have been certainly good news for Thor. I mean, for Tony that Thor is at least still alive, since Banner pretty much made it sound like he was dead, which makes sense, mind you. There was mm-hmm. any reason for Banner to think he was dead. Hmm. Not like a giant dwarf. Stormbreaker. Now, see, <laughs> now it makes sense that it makes sense to have Stormbreaker be able to do the Bifrost, especially since there is no Asgard anymore and there's no Heimdall. <laughs> it's pretty convenient, but it, it, it makes sense. It's still, the, I, I still miss the hammer though. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the 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 Mjolnir could summon the Bifrost in the comics. Yes. Maybe maybe Mjolnir somehow makes it back and Thor figures it out. I don't know. It's possible. It could be one of his innate powers that is conferred upon him as king of Asgard. I don't know. Because, I mean, after Odin's gone, uh, in the comics, dozens of times you get, you get the idea that, you know, how Odin goes into the Odin sleep. There have been several times that after Odin's dead, Thor becomes king, and then that becomes referenced as like the Thor sleep. You know, it's it's almost giving you the idea, in, at least in the comics, whether or not the MCU will keep it that way or remains to be seen. But it's almost been, you know, it's been hinted at several times in the comics that when the king of Asgard dies, it's like there's some sort of power set that is added to your person when you take on the mantle of king of Asgard. That's an interesting point. That that's a good one. Has a dance off to save the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh poor poor Peter. <laughs> I just thought his his ability to recall is insane. Cause he was ten when he left. Like he remembers Footloose, he remembers Flash Gordon. Like, like it's just weird to me how much he remembers, despite spending so much of his time as in his life in space in this completely different environment. But it might have been considering everything that was going on in his life. It might have been an escape for him. All this pop True. culture stuff might have been the escape for him. So that must, which makes you wonder that if in a in a weird way maybe he's a kid. Even Peter might be a kindred spirit to him, since obviously Peter is really wrapped up in pop culture too. <laughs> mm-hmm. One, just one. We'll come back to this later, but Doctor Strange's role in the final fight on Titan is interesting to me because they say, you know, like he saw uh, fourteen million six hundred and five possible futures and then only one did they win and then uh later on in the in the movie dr strange says uh you know it was the only way and we're in the end game now you know and everybody's like well that means that what happened is what needed to happen because he also says if it comes down to you or the kid or the time stone i'm i'm, I'm not going to give the time so i'll let you die but yet he you know, to save Tony, he willingly gives it, meaning that that was that was a part of the plan. 
that's part of the one future he right. saw. But there's another piece to this that I think points out, like doubles down on that. That's what the plan was. And we'll get to it later, but this is freaking cool. This was one, this was one of the few spoilers that I did not hear about during the first reviews that came out. I, I, I knew about it before I saw it, but I did during the first re- everything I heard about the uh, what happened in this movie the f- the first one I think the Forbes review did not bother to mention the Red Skull, which is cool. Yeah, because most most everybody believed the Red Skull wasn't dead anyway. So yeah, I don't think anybody did. But I was always bringing it up. I mean, like, any time it could have played any possible relevance if anybody was talking about future villains or anything like that, uh, whether, you know, whoever was talking about it, whether it be friends or my, like, my brother-in-law or anything like that, I'd just be like, don't forget, Red Skull's not dead. And they give me a look, and I'm like, well, look at, go watch the movie again. There's no way that he died. (laughs) Right, it's like, it's like no one really, it's like, logically, there was no reason to believe Loki died at the end of Thor, either. I mean, it, right. it didn't make any. It didn't really make any sense based on what what you were the power of what you were dealing with. But I do like the fact that, technically speaking, even though that probably will, that could very well change again once the uh, whatever happened, however they fix things. But for the moment, I like the fact that basically once Thanos gets the stone, that the Red Skull is off the hook. <laughs> yeah, he's free. Yeah, he can. He, he's no longer the the ghost the ghostly host of uh, what. Vormir, that he can he can live a real life again and do whatever he wants to do, which isn't probably good for anybody. But I wonder if it transports him back, because <clears throat> that's a good point. I mean, it, not only back to Earth, but what if back in time? I was thinking that too. It could, it could, yeah, it could because live. because Red Skull. I mean, uh, there's. I mean, in the MCU, this wouldn't really make much sense. You'd have to really do a, hard, a, a good job of ex- trying to explain this, but Cap survives into the modern age by being frozen on ice. But also, Natasha, <laughs> this is in the comics, Natasha, right. Nick, and Red Skull all somehow survive. They're all somehow remnants of the same era of as Cap. So the idea of all of them surviving that long is crazy, but you could theoretically say that, that Red Skull has been hiding and sort of biding his time and doing things in the shadows on Earth ever since that generation because maybe uh, maybe he got transported back not only to Earth but in time after the Soul Stone lets him go. I'm going to put you back where you belong, essentially. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Because I don't... I mean... As you'd have to really do a, a damn good story, job of storytelling, but I really don't see an enjoyable story of uh, of a red skull a red skull story in space. <laughs> <laughs> skull in space. <laughs> but then now we now now we've got other crazy stuff happening in the comics now. Like there's a title called Cosmic Ghost Rider. <laughs> oh, Marvel! The more the Marvel books. I like the. Or like the equivalent of the DC cinematic universe. <laughs> it's just amazing how the how how the opposite is true in, in different media. Marvel. Hey man, Venom is awesome. <laughs> I'll take 
Um, there may be some exceptions to the rule here, but but Marvel's really had they've had a lot of false starts. Let's just say that in the, in their books compared and DC has done pretty DC has done better overall, and I think in their books and the way people perceive them. But in the movies, it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. More bubbles. He likes his bubbles. Oh, Grimace is a kid's character. <laughs> a reference which I'm sure goes over most went over most people's heads, sadly, these days. <laughs> um, now, when was the last time anybody saw the Grimace or the Hamburglar or anybody? Yeah, they definitely McDonald's does not market those anymore. <laughs> I remember. I remember when they had the when they had the action figures. Mm. I had I had many of those action. I didn't have Grimace. I had Hamburglar. I had Ronald McDonald. And I had uh, not Mayor McCheese, the other guy, the cop, oh. Big Mac, the Big Mac guy or whatever. But I almost got a Happy Meal the other day because they saw that they had Justice League action toys, but I wasn't sure if they had like Firestorm or Green Lantern or anything like that. You'll probably get like uh, Beast. Boy. I'm looking at the image now, actually. <laughs> Yeah, the Justice League action toys look to be just random things. Yeah, and it's all Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash related. I don't see any Green Lantern or Firestorm or anything. It's always the way, man. (laughs) Hawkman. Yeah. Yeah, no no Green Lantern or Firestorm. Here's Thanos waking up from a drunken stupor. He got a stone in his hand. Look at the stones on this guy. <laughs> this is an interesting scene, you know, because they say uh, the commentary made me realize something I hadn't realized before and not not realize it. But it sort of solidified it. They mentioned that after each, after each time he gets a stone, you see him use it once. Yes. The next time. The next time. Yeah. You see him, he uses it. Yeah. I thought. But what about the Soul Stone until they pointed it out during the Titan battle? With Doctor Strange, right? Yes. Yeah. Because I couldn't think of a time that he actually used it. Other than, of course, the final snap, which takes all of them. And I like the fact that they really played up the fact that that you have to have that closed fist. That you Mm -hmm. basically have to close the fist or close the fingers on your hand or the glove in order to use any or all the stones. So... Which they seemingly, for which they were clearly aware of one way or the other when they were fighting him on Titan, because so much of what they did was designed to keep the, to keep his glove, keep his glove, keep his pimp hand open. <laughs> oh, Rody. <laughs> he, he, he's he's Don Cheadle just still is not the best war machine. <laughs> It'd be curious to see if uh, if Bucky and Sam can have a better relationship now. Yeah, because you could see on many levels why they wouldn't, because there's a little bit of jealousy and rivalry, and both looking after Cap in their own in their own way. Ah, uh, that's my girl. 
Yeah, she doesn't get, get she doesn't have much of a role in this movie, but at least she gets to do something. Yeah, my brother in law gets super angry about her. He he doesn't like how uh, how like they they just made her like the smartest woman. I mean, the, the, not, not just the smartest, not even woman, like the smartest character in the MCU. Like like the 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 Black Panther thing comes in and it's just like, oh Tony, oh Bruce, who cares? <laughs> this girl, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I don't know what I haven't really argued with him enough on this on this point because usually he brings it up when he's like sort of intoxicated. <laughs> you know, like everybody has those few subjects that they get on <laughs> without fail cuz something about like for instance, don't ever bring up the last Jedi around my brother-in-law <laughs> yeah, when he's in <laughs> Yeah, I think you said that. <laughs> like he will go off for a, quite a while. Shuri, he's not as like in in like uh, vehement about, but he's he he seemed just he liked Black Panther, but how overly intellectual she was sort of bothered him for some reason, just because they spent spent so long establishing Bruce and Tony and so on and so forth, and then they just oh forget that she's the most brilliant person on the planet out of nowhere. <laughs> well, I, and I can I can understand that I think. I think if she had established, had more of a track record, I think if she had more, if there was more time on the screen and she was a, a character that had been around longer, I think it'd be easier to accept. It is. I can understand why some people are not overjoyed with the fact that, like, the, the, even in the commentary, like the Russo says, "Oh, matter of fact, she's the smartest person in the MCU," and it's like, it's like, even objectively, it's like. Have you seen enough of her to absolutely say that? I mean, right. I mean, she. I mean, obviously she'd be close. I mean, if she's not, she's damn close. But I mean, as much as Tony can be a dick, I mean, it's kind of hard to dismiss Tony. I'm also curious too because Shuri has, like, T'Challa has had experience and missions in the real world, and so has, you know, like some of the Dora Milaje, uh, however you say that word, and, and so on and so forth. Has Shuri ever really left Wakanda? If so, if she hasn't, then isn't her experience and knowledge only limited to that which was brought into Wakanda? And if so, aren't there certain things, technology, or, or, or concepts or whatever that were only developed in the outside world that she has no reference point for? It's a, it's a valid question. I'm sure we'll get the answer soon. Right. Especially if Tony doesn't make it out of Avengers 4 because her role is probably going to be a lot bigger. <laughs> well, here's the deal. Uh, her role is already a lot bigger. Because we don't see her after the snap, but the child is dead in, after the snap, which means she's queen of Wakanda. That is, if she survived, that is true too. And I think they, I think they said, I think they said she survived. Right. I don't think. I mean, I don't think they say. I don't believe they say it on the commentary track, but I believe they have said that that Shuri. I think they said Shuri survived. Either that, or it's just strong speculation, which makes sense. But yeah. But even in a post-snap new reality, you would think that uh, once, whenever. But however the Avengers succeed, that you would think, especially if Tony's not going to be – if Tony ends up dying, they're going to need somebody to fill that role. Right. They, they're going to need that technological 
expertise and obviously Shuri, especially with Wakanda opening up everything to the world, that would make the most sense. Trip. <laughs> uh, I'm okay. I like how she looks down at him with disgust, yep. like, oh, God. <laughs> this is who we have helping us fight. <laughs> it still would have been cool if the Hulk, if he actually was the Hulk at some point. It works the way they do it. Making it, you know, making Banner be a hero on his own in his own right, but if I'm sure a lot of people were not happy that that's all we saw of the Hulk was in the first ten minutes of the movie. I mean, he'll definitely be in four. Oh yeah, he has he has to be. Yep. One thing that's curious to me is this big ass spaceship comes hurtling out of the atmosphere almost like a meteor. It's not even like accelerating itself. It is just falling to the earth, strikes the in, the, the shield and breaks apart. But these little hound alien things are able to push through. I, how does that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure they could. I'm sure they would give us some explanation for it. It's just hard. It's just harder to. I I understand what you're saying. I don't think it's the easiest thing in the world to just kind of like shake off and go. But but how? But why? Yeah. Unless it's just the constant bombardment in the same spot by by in the movement and everything else that uh, or it's like or it's like the weakness in the Death Star. It's like this tiny little crack. Yeah. Where's the exhaust port? Could, could have been designed to take for big objects, not small objects. The <laughs> mm. big battle of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. Which, as some people pointed out, was kind of a it was kind of a gutsy move to do that, considering at the time they were doing this. Obviously, nobody knew what Black Panther was going to be like. Oh yeah, for sure. And Black Panther was coming; did come out right before this. So if Black Panther had been, oh, had been liked but not loved, let's say it was like it was more like Ant Man. That having the same third, act, you know, the second straight Marvel movies third act, the majority of it take place in the same, you know, literally in the, in the same battlefield. That would that could have gone over bad. It just, yeah. Just like they talked about the difference with the test, you know, when they did the test screenings, how all the stuff in Wakanda obviously played entirely different once once people saw the test screenings after Black Panther came out versus all of the screenings that took place before. Yeah. <laughs> because up until that point, we barely had seen any of Wakanda, just a little bit from Civil War. Well, evidently they had to justify it to everybody by saying, you know, before Black Panther, by saying. Look, I know Black Panther hasn't come out yet, but at the same time, it makes sense to have. You oh, know, yes. If you're going, if you're going to protect the Mind Stone, you have to take it to the most advanced, you know, place on the planet that to stand the best chance. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Plot wise, it makes sense. I mean, based on the universe that they built, I mean, there isn't any place on Earth that would be the most that would be any safer than Wakanda. Yeah. So it makes sense. Open the barrier. I, I almost wish that was a different voice. Like, sure, he's busy. <laughs> you know? Ask somebody else to do this. 
Even though if you look at if you look at what it said, I don't think it said it was Shuri. It sounds it sounds exactly. I, I like agree. Shuri. With, I agree with you. Yeah. It sounds like her. I think it just said like dome control or whatever the voice. Yeah. So. But I took it to I I will I will agree. I took it to be Shuri too when when you're when you're just listening to the voices. Alien snarling. I mean, it's a classic battle technique in terms of like a, a, a just flushing everybody out down a, a narrow corridor, just limit the amount of people that can come in and face off. Three hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of lots of dog aliens biting a big one now. <laughs> mm-hmm. How much longer, Sherry? And if there's anyone that can that can bring the vision back from what's left of him at the end of this movie, sure he probably could do it. <laughs> right. Since they kind of did pave the way for that, saying with Banner making the case that the, the majority of what really makes the vision the vision probably may very well not be the stone anyway. So you would think they could rep- you th- you would think they could repair him. You know what this visual reminds me of? Right when. Right about here, where the light's coming from behind him and he's straining. It reminds me of, uh, was it All-Star Superman? Where, like, at the end of the movie, or at the end of the comic, he's dead. and uh, But there's that image that somebody drew of, like, Superman living in the sun and running some sort of a foundry in the sun. You know what I'm talking I about? Think so. I think so. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was All Star Superman. Uh, crispy Thor. <laughs> Nothing like it's getting getting some serious fortune going on. <laughs> See, now I'm trying to find that image. I don't know what I'd have to type in to find it, but I could have sworn there was some image of. Superman in the sun. Oh, that's gotta hurt. Hey, they finally get Groot's attention. Thor, say something. Hmm. He needs the axe. Tree, help me. Now, wouldn't, they, wouldn't it have made sense to know where the handle was before they started this process? I guess. Or the handle be part of the pour? Well, that I could, I could, pro- I could probably see why that couldn't wouldn't be viable, depending on what they were making it out of. But you would think, at the very least, the handle should be. So- <laughs> you think you'd know where the handle was? <laughs> right. And is Groot's arm really the best handle long term? Is it really? <laughs> <laughs> maybe when it's all merged together and and Thor is pumping his power through it, maybe that's all that matters. But oh, Bucky! God, one of my favorite scenes in the movie when Thor shows up. Yes, which was the other scene that's designed on purpose for the for the music. The music, the yeah. Cue to get the full of full on Avengers theme. 
But I just liked it because I was getting real sick and tired of Thor, kind of like they do Superman in like the animated series and stuff, where they just depower him so much to put him on an even keel with all the other characters being portrayed. Thor has always been super powerful, but they always keep taking him down a peg. But now here is just you're just like, oh shit, <laughs> everybody's screwed. <laughs> Yeah, this is definitely one of the, If it's not the coolest scene in the movie, it's definitely one of them. Right. It's definitely the scene that always gets probably the biggest reaction. For sure. And he, you almost get a bit of ultimate Thor there, too, with the, the way the little pieces of his suit are lighting up. Yeah. And which also echoes what we saw in Ragnarok too when he's when he's channeling the power through his eyes and everything else it's just a, it's it's a it's not the same but it's kind of it's it's similar when because when he's obviously pumping the power through him pretty much he's glowing everywhere <laughs> every orifice he has is glowing stay away oh, from God. Thor preparation Thor I just sent you that image on uh, Facebook of uh, that image of Superman in the sun I'm pretty sure it's from All-Star Superman. Oh, you said you sent it to me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. My mind's thinking Skype, even though you did say Facebook. You see, he says this day ex- extracts a heavy toll, but it's just like, do you think Thanos cares at all, even one iota more, about the about these guys that's a good question I, I don't know I mean obviously they, they're trying they're they're trying to make Thanos as much of a well-rounded character as they can for somebody who's kind of like megalomaniacal here who's got tunnel vision some kind of you know paral- a parallaxian way of going about things of trying to do what you think is right and, and you don't, don't really care about what you have to do to get to get to the end game that you think is correct I I mean I think they do a decent job at making some of Thanos's points and which would make sense since we know this is Thanos's movie you would, th- you would it would be a complete failure if you couldn't see anything from his perspective and understand it but <clears throat> but I do like the fact that uh, very Green Lantern-y the fact that, that, he, that he has the will to do what needs to be done and that's part mm-hmm. of what, and that part of what makes him as successful as he is because he has the vision, he's got the plan, he has the, and he's got the will to execute it. So. And do what needs to be done. Yep, do what needs to be done, even if no one else understands. Say the hard, the hardest choices require the strongest wills. There's Doctor Strange with his little magic shieldies. Boom! I, I love that that new co- that new technology. You know the the LED strips on the fans that people are doing that create holograms. Yeah. Have you seen those? Yeah. So, someone's done cosplay now with those, where they'll cosplay as Doctor Strange and turn those on, and it looks like they're creating that same stuff in front of their hands. Overall, these guys do a pretty decent job against Thanos on, on Titan. Considering right, they def- they definitely have put some thought into what they're doing. E- e- even this jackal. 
So once again, this is more Doctor Strange than... This is really Doctor Strange making this ultimately successful, probably more than Quill, but... <laughs> yeah, the timing of all of these little portal things. Yes. Magic blanket! More magic. Yeah. Magic with a kick! <laughs> <laughs> Oops, Spider-Man. Oops. One of the few guys in this group that Thanos actually knows, Stark. <laughs> right. Besides Quill, obviously, but. You can well, make, maybe Drax. Maybe I was going to say, Drax. you can make a case for, other than uh, probably a lesser case for Mantis, but you can make a case that all, everybody who was a member of the Guardians, he would kind of know just because of the events of the first, the fallout from the first movie, if nothing else. Uh, <clears throat> Somehow you do find it hard to believe Nebula would really have a shot against Thanos. You know what it also makes me wonder? Um, actually, hold on. We'll get to that. This piece right here is what I was talking about earlier with Doctor Strange's involvement in all of this. So Quill shoots that thing to his left hand, and then he lets go with the red bands on the other hand, he drops her down, Mantis down, and then he grabs his left hand to help Quill and Spidey hold him in place there. Why doesn't Doctor Strange help them get the gauntlet off? Yeah. You, you, you'd think have Spidey or Tony, one or the other, hold... Hold uh, his his or his uh, Thanos's right hand in place, and then have Strange help get the gauntlet off. Well, just like some people have pointed out, why since we saw earlier in the in the movie doing that portal trick to cut the arm off of what's his face uh, from the Black Order, that's why couldn't couldn't he have done the same thing? Why couldn't he created a portal around Thanos's arm? And cut and cut his arm off with with the with the gauntlet. Uh, hmm. they, I mean, he literally could have. You think he could have done that? Trim put it put put the gauntlet and his hand in another in another place, another dimension, if you will, but another location, and then close the portal and cut his arm off with the gauntlet and b- being not completely off the Titan. And then, they, and then hmm. he would know where they he would know where they sent the hand and the gauntlet, and then they, and then they go back go back and retrieve it. Yeah, so and and plus everybody's reacting to what Quill's doing right now, except Strange. Strange's not trying to stop him. He's not trying to talk him down. He's not right, trying to do anything. Yeah, because he knows because he, he knows what's what's meant to happen. Right. Which does suck. Is look how close they were to getting that glove off. <laughs> right. Because literally, it was off. I mean, technically speaking, he did have it. It was. It was off the hand. It was just it was it was just hanging on by the fingertips to the gauntlet, and just because. And now, once he's able to get, regain full consciousness, then his power, you know, he's stronger than Spider-Man, so he's able to just pull it back. Right. And also, see, but it also makes you wonder with all the power he has in the in this gauntlet, why doesn't he just kill these guys? Right. I mean, is he is he that much a? Be- that much of a believer in uh, like random selection 
that he's <laughs> that he has no but clearly he is not because he had no problem killing people killing. Well, you can make the case that he he planned on killing half the members of the Thor ship. He just didn't care what half it was. So I guess right. he's really a believer in random selection that he that which I if I guess that would try to somehow make him more noble on one level, uh, but th- which is arguable. Just like this whole idea, well, I'm going to wipe out half half the population of the, of the universe, but I'm not going to judge anybody. I'm, it's just going to be random, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be more acceptable if you kind of were judging people and try to take out take take out at least what you perceive to be you know the, the scum of the universe first, and and then and then maybe take out whatever the percentage of what's left if you have to from the good people to balance it out instead of potentially just killing all these good people and not even caring. So sometimes the randomness doesn't necessarily make it any more fair. Right. <clears throat> Cute little banter with Thor and uh, Cap. Leading into the great Steve Rogers line. Tree. It makes me wonder, is that Groot's name? Tree. Yeah. <laughs> because he understands Groot. So he said, this is my friend Tree. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean... But then again, he calls he calls Rocket a rabbit. So what do you say? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> that, is, that is actually something. That is a part that we didn't mention, but it, it's so easy to overlook when you're watching the movie. It was it, you pick up on it, like when I saw it in the theater. But then, the, like the first couple of times I was watching this, when I was skipping a little bit watching this, I was trying to remember when exactly does Thor talk about no, being able to understand Groot. First, I thought it was when he was with the Guardians, and then I realized no, it was right. It was right after Rocket tries to give him the, the pseudo pep talk. Uh-huh. And like, oh, it was an elective. <laughs> You know what those those wheels remind me of? They remind me of the War Wheel from DC Comics. Yeah, I could see that. Huh. <laughs> why was she up there the whole all this time? <laughs> I why. love that. And now we know why because they clearly <laughs> the Black Order was clearly waiting to get her away from Vision. Right. Which at least shows you that they're that they're bright enough to respect the fact that Wanda is definitely a threat. Which they discovered in Scotland. Yes. Yeah. And if they didn't I keep I, I keep watching that scene of her doing her thing right before she picks picks up the gun to see how far she gets. Oh. Yeah, I think she would have needed a lot more time. Falcon's always funny because there's always some kind of situation. <laughs> there's always some situ- kind of situation. Literally, he's re- verbatim he's reporting to Steve. We got to this situation. We got to that situation. We got a vision situation. <laughs> This is cool with the three of them taking taking her on by themselves. Girl power. Yes. <laughs> this is a which good. which is which is pretty intense because Proxima Midnight is probably the I guess maybe the fiercest warrior out of all of them. Maybe, you could yeah. ma- you could argue that her husband is maybe the equal, but Proxima has always been one of the more focused on ones of the Black Order. This movie definitely shows you how powerful Scarlet Witch is, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, I mean, they clearly have been. We saw a good taste of it in Civil War, but this movie just this movie amps it up a lot. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. She just, I mean, she, 
you could make a strong case at least until we until they introduced Captain Marvel. Since again, another another job. Oh, Captain Marvel is like the strongest me- member of the MCU, and we haven't even seen her yet. I kind of like you said with the Shuri thing. It's kind of it's when they do stuff like that. That kind of I don't know. I think that kind of like cheapen some what we've seen before on some level when they just make it such a blanket statement and we haven't even seen seen it ourselves and they're telling us this. But I've seen enough evidence to support it. But Scarlet right. Witch, you can make a strong case up at, at at this moment. Scarlet Witch is at least as at least the most powerful Earthbound of the the Avengers. Thor, because Thor goes back and forth, we we don't know. But if you but if you move Thor out of the picture, it's kind of hard to imagine anybody be, having more raw power than than Scarlet Witch. And plus, we know she can now. Now we know she can take she can use her powers against the Vision because we saw it in Civil War anyway. Theoretically, the Vision probably could use his powers against her. He just would never do it because he loves her. <laughs> I hope we see Wanda training with Doctor Strange at some point. Yeah, some people have speculated that maybe she'll end up being in the seemingly again word of the word for the episode is seemingly that there's supposed there are lots of hints that we're going to get an announcement about probably the Doctor Strange sequel soon, September ish. So maybe. It would be nice, even though they may not announce, even if she was going to be in it, they may not announce that she would be in it, uh, because clearly that'd be yet another Avengers Four spoiler. It's not that that's really stopped them with a lot, since we know a lot of characters that are currently dead by the when this movie ends are still are going to be back. But it would be it definitely would be awesome to have that would be a good team to have Scarlet Witch and and Doctor Strange together. Right, one of the few things the Vision actually does in this movie. So all of the Black Order is dead at the end of this. I believe that is correct. Okay. We don't trade lives, Captain. And Thanos is damaged at the end of the movie. So he doesn't get healed. Does not appear so now. Based on what we've put, what's been said that, that he is supposedly permanently quote unquote damaged, whatever that actually means, but he's supposed to be permanently damaged in some way, shape, or form. Hmm. So now we're about to get our soon to get our moment when Thanos uses the Soul Stone, correct? Right. So does that mean then that that Doctor Strange has created multiple versions of himself? If he's using the Soul Stone, maybe or, may, or maybe splint, maybe splintered maybe splintered himself into hmm. pieces of him. maybe taking so it's, maybe yeah, taking so it's pieces not, of his soul maybe just to make copies to so the little pieces. Right. And Thanos uses the stone to put them all back together. Which is interesting enough that Thanos would necessarily think that – I mean maybe it's still a little convenient from a plot perspective, but you would think if it would be really – that was pretty quick thinking to use – that that would be the stone to use to try to counter that. Or unless, it's, unless it's instinctual when you have those stones in the glove, unless it's like instinctual, like almost like the stones talking to you about which stone – which one you should use. Hmm. Uh, Stark and Thanos. Buddies. Even though it's, I mean, I guess it's cool that Thanos actually has respect for Stark. I, I mean, I, I mean, he's obviously far superior, you know, physically than Iron Man, but at least he does respect as a as a man of vision and just as a, somebody who is uh, tenacious. I think he certainly respects the will of Tony Stark. 
Right. Trying try again, willing to do, willing to having the will to try to do what needs to be done, even though he's going, you know, he doesn't have a he doesn't have enough to do it. Uh, Tony tries. I like how I like how after this point you can see his nanotech being ripped off of him and shifting from piece of him to piece of him. Right. I was just gonna say. I, I was gonna say that at least because he has the nanotech armor, at least this at least he does have a better shot here against him than just a regular normal set of armor. That once right. once it was damaged, then you'd be kaput. At least now with the nanotech, at least it it's able to repair itself or try to keep repairing itself. Well, it's not repairing itself because he keeps ripping off pieces of it. So, like, you see it, like, retreating from his leg to go up to his arm so he can fight. Right. But, I mean, yeah. it's able to shift. And, obviously, once, yeah. once once he gets spared here, he's able to use the nanotech to basically save himself and heal himself. Right. Uh, so, I guess, I guess we're supposed to assume here in the original – that in the – Maybe all the other all the other ch- times when uh, they lose, that Thanos just blast just blasted them because <laughs> right <laughs> makes you wonder what he was going to do to Tony because all the stones were lighting up. That that is true. That is true. It also makes you wonder. It, it, I guess it's it's debatable. This is kind of cool the way he hides the stone literally in plain sight. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of makes it shaky to b- believe that Thanos was necessarily going to keep his word because obviously he he, he wasn't particularly um a man, being a man of his word with the dwarves was he? <laughs> right. True. <laughs> so see, th- this is one of those things. If, if 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 he had not seen, if he probably had not seen the future enough to know this would work. You would say, well, under normal circumstances, if this would be a really dangerous roll of the dice, but because he knows how things are going to play out, that it's easier for him to do so. Plus, maybe the logic behind it is just knowing that Thanos is uh, he he's well once he gets what he really what he needs the most, which is the stone, that killing Stark really is is like irrelevant at this right. point because. Since not, since nobody is going to be able to stop him anyway, so what's the, so does he really need to kill them? Plus, and here's the int- here's the real interesting part: Are we really supposed to? I guess I guess we have to also assume that Stark knew. Excuse me, that Strange knew that Tony was going to survive the, th- the snap. That if he that if Thanos didn't kill him now, he was going to survive the snap because clearly he would have to know that, or else it wouldn't be much of a much of a barter. And have to know that he was going to die. Yes. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, see, Thor just, I mean, just goes into a ship, (laughs) flies out. (laughs) All right, into the next one. (laughs) Like, super OP. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, realistically speaking, if, if, if Thanos didn't show up, you would have to think between Black, between uh, Scarlet Witch and Thor, that they would be they would have been able to win this battle. Right. There may not have been many of them left, <laughs> so, but you would think that because of the power that they had, they would have been able to to do that. I like how everybody can feel something's coming. Right. 
I mean, he's got five infinity stones. So it's just like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, it's like, uh, when a thunderstorm is coming, you can smell it. Like, it's just something, something powerful this way comes. <laughs> and there he is. And obviously Bruce is anyone who really, who recognizes him at this point. That's, that may be true, but I don't think he needed to say it. That's him. It's just like, once he shows up, you're just kind of like, who else could that be? Right. <laughs> or, or just by looking at what he has on his hand. <laughs> yeah. But this is this is a cool use of all, all of the stones and doing what he's doing, the way he's incapacitating. Right. Obviously, he really must not like Black Panther because he's a uh, racism. Because he, he makes sure he literally punch the shit out of him. Everybody else he's just doing little things with, but I'm going to punch this guy in the face. <laughs> <laughs> but Wanda's power is so impressive because she's because she's literally able to keep Thanos in, in the, with his gauntlet of stones. With the stones on this guy! She's able to keep him off of her at the same time she's destroying the other stone with the other hand. <laughs> She's tough, man. She's tough. Right. I still don't know if I buy their relationship, but at the same time, they did as good a job as they could in the time that they had yeah. in the movies that portrayed these characters. Yeah, I mean, based based on the time frame, they kind of had the, uh, they more or less had the Padme-Anakin time frame dilemma of being able to build a, build a realistic relationship in kind of, in essentially t- two movies. Uh, and not even, and not be a major, and not, and not even be able to make it a major part of either one of those movies. <laughs> yeah, it makes you wonder, like, in terms of Marvel, who is the OP, you know, the original, the the classic relationship in Marvel? Because, like, in in DC, you've got you know Superman and Lois, and and so on, and Flash and and Iris, and all this stuff. But, I mean. Tony and Pepper? No, not really. A Cap and and Agent Thirteen? Maybe. Uh, Cap and Peggy? Maybe. Cap Hulk? And Pe- Cap and Peggy more than than Thirteen, but yeah. But you're right. They did it. So I mean, Wanda and Vision are basically the classic Marvel couple, aren't they? Yeah, because so many because they've really downplayed they've really downplayed relationships. Certainly after you've gotten past Phase, maybe Phase One. Right. The, the only relationships that have really been consistent, you could say, are Tony and Pepper. And yes, they were. Yes, they were on a break here and there, but. But I'm also referring to the comics too. Like that would be probably Reed and Sue. Reed and Sue, yeah, but they're yeah. So other other than Reed and Sue, you've got. Uh, shoot, maybe Banner and um, Betty. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, but I mean, it's gotta. It's it. It's Vision and, and and Wanda have to be top two at least. Oh, the poor Vision. He gets almost nothing. He gets almost nothing to do in this movie, and then he has to. Then he gets the double the double indignity of having to die twice. <laughs> yeah. Now the sad see the sad part is because nobody else really understands. Well, actually, 
No, they, n- none of them, even Banner, wouldn't understand. None of them really understood what the, what the what the time stone was like, because the reality is, once once it became clear that Thanos had the time stone, then then really logically, if you knew what it if you knew what it did, then you would realize that there really wasn't anything you could do with this. That you would have to kill him. There's nothing. There's there's no there's no there's no other event you could do that would defeat him because if he has a time stone, he could just undo it all. Uh, mm. Makes you also wonder of how much actual sorcery Thanos knows. Probably, I don't think that much. Yeah, I, I don't see him as a sorcery guy. I see him as a science guy, which could be. I mean, you you, you think he has to be somewhat uh, learned in most of the arts in some capacity or another? But to me, you think he'd have to. You think he'd have to know a little bit of sorcery? But to use the stone? Not to use the stone, but just. How old he is, how he wants to be, you know, uh, a despot or whatever throughout the entire universe. He has to know something of, at least a little bit of most all things. He has to have a basic understanding of these things. Because the Maul is a sorcerer of some kind, so he has to know something. That's a, that's a, that's a valid point. I definitely see him as more of a science guy. But his part... Mm-hmm. So, I mean, certainly he's not that well-versed because Doctor Strange did very well against him. Ah, yes. The, 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 the moment in the movie where everybody for a brief moment thought, hey, we won! <laughs> <laughs> he had his moments, man. Then. Could have taken the axe out, decapitated him. Could have, could have, probably could have cracked, cracked his neck. Left the axe in him and probably just used his 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 raw strength and snap his neck. You have to believe this is going to be referenced in the in the next movie somehow. Right. Now this is interesting because in the commentary they refer to it as like the soul plane or the soul it's within the soul stone oh, or something. Yes, yes. He's getting one he's kinda like being gifted like one last visit with with Gamora. Makes you wonder speaking of soul realities, well wonder if Shuri will be able to talk to her brother. Oh, because oh, in the spirit plane that they mm-hmm. go to. You would think so. You would think so, because just because he got disintegrated doesn't mean that he, he's any less dead. He is dead. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, so with, with the Soul Stone, it raises speculation to if we assume somebody, you have to sacrifice, you have to make the ultimate. Yeah, here's the question, though. Do you have to? We were led. We were led to believe by Skull that you have to sacrifice, you know, the thing you you care about the most. But could you? But if you wanted to get, but if you were wanting to get to get the stone for somebody else, could you sacrifice yourself? Could mm. you, could you sacrifice yourself? Because if you if you're looking ahead to Avengers Four and you want to look to, under the belief that that they're going to try in order to get the Soul Stone, somebody's going to have to die to get the Soul Stone. If if that's what we've told is correct, so. 
yeah, you could easily see someone like Nebula potentially sacrificing herself for Gamora, or, or but other than that, everybody else you would think, considering who's alive and who's dead, unless it's going to be the Hulk trying to sacrifice, you know, try to sacrifice himself for Nat, or you would think you would be more likely to have one of these characters willing to sacrifice themselves. Period. So, so the, the other, so the the group could get the stone. Like you could mm. see Cap doing something like that. You could you could see Cap sacrificing himself for them to get the stone, which is interesting unto itself because there's some people have pointed out almost everybody's Wanda induced visions have come to pass so far in these movies, but but Cap's hasn't. Cap's with time with Peggy, in in that in that in the past that hasn't happened in, in any movie yet. Right. So some people have speculated that that might be related to either the Soul Stone or it might just be related to uh, something that's going to happen in Avengers 4. So. Groot says, Dad. Poor Rocket. Well, one thing that was interesting is, not really interesting, but uh, Bucky drops his gun, so at least Rocket will get to use the gun. <laughs> <laughs> just not the arm. Yeah. Wait, leave the arm. Oh. <laughs> talk about talk about an odd an odd two that survived from this group. <laughs> right. I mean, Tony, you knew had to survive based on on the sacrifice of Strange, but but. Nebula of all characters, but like we said, if you work under the premise that all these characters survive for a reason, and part of that reason could be they all know where Infinity Stones are, or where the Infinity Stones were before Thanos start collecting them, then Nebula being alive makes sense because she she absolutely now completely knows the planet that the Soul Stones on, right? Which no one else would. No, I mean, which again, if they go back in time, Thanos wouldn't have known that yet. So that would actually give them a huge upper hand on trying to get the Infinity Stones. Hmm. But this is one of the sad parts of the movie. It's funny that that Spider-Man's able to last longest. Is it because yeah, they, of the suit? The, the, no, it's because of his powers of Spider-Man. They talk about it. They talk about it in the commentary. There he goes. Then he won't be back. Yes, he will. <laughs> yeah, because at this point, when the movie was out, they already announced that Spider-Man Two, right? Oh yeah, I mean they were they were like a like a month or so, a couple of months away from starting filming because they're film they're, yeah. they're either filming that now or they just or they're, they're about to finish filming that now. Uh, What's the title of that one? Far from home, I believe. So he's got to be still in place in space. No, I think he's. I think he's in Europe. I th- oh, okay. I think. Um, so, it's funny how the vision just completely changes to colors once that stolen hmm. stolen is out of him. And there's because Ro- there's Rocket next to Thor. So, and there's Thor. Reason I just screwed up. I doth screwed up royally. Yep, the Avengers lost one, a big one. 
Now, where is he at? He's not on Titan. No. He's not anywhere we've seen. He's not on Earth. I don't think they tell us specifically where he is. But there's his limp. Mm Mm-hmm. There's the armor. Yep, the scarecrow, the homage scarecrow. So we know the gauntlet was damaged. The stones are still... We assume the stones still exist and are functional, but... This, but the, the wound in his chest is gone, though. But the gauntlet... But the gauntlet is probably not workable anymore. Which is another reason why you have to think that when we saw the uh, other gauntlet prototype or the mold at the foundry, that that's yeah. going to be something that that, that is going to be re, going to be revisited. Uh... So before we get to the credit scene, which which it won't, which will be coming up at some point, let, let's talk in the next hour. Yeah, no, we're getting close. Let's talk. Let's talk about. Let's talk about Mr. Bautista here, since we since we at least we avoided it for the entire rest majority of the movie. So what? So what do you? What do you? So what do you think the odds are he will be fired before we even before Avengers Four even comes out, assuming he doesn't shut up? Uh, fifty fifty. See, here, here's here's the one thing we don't know. We know his, we know Drax, and we talked about this, I think, before. We know Drax is supposed to be an Avenger in Guardians Three. We just never knew with the context. I mean, we assumed he was going to be alive and an active part of the team, but but there's always a chance that his role was somewhat different. Uh, so if it's, let's say for it's probably not, but let's say for the sake of argument that his role was either going to be in a flashback or the, whoever the villain of the movie is like brings Drax back or gives the illusion that he's back. If that was the case, it'd be really easy for you to get fired because it really doesn't—it really doesn't mean that that much because you're really not an active part of the movie. But I don't think that's the case. I—I I think the odds are, if he doesn't—if he does not shut up, and I'm going to avoid going on my my James Gunn rant the way you did. Uh, you took a different tack than I did, but I understood your basic—I agreed with your basic philosophy, mind you, on the. Is, is there not a statute of limitations where stuff in your past can come back and bite you? But I just personally never thought that James Gunn, even before the pictures came out, that James Gunn was was the the example to use or the, to go to war for that. You know, is unprincipled for him because I think self-inflicted wounds galore, and he put the, all that stuff out there that came back there. That being said, I think if if Bautista doesn't shut up, I would have to say. Maybe they'll let him. Maybe unless it's going to be a major problem, as in having to to get rid of him in, at the end of Avengers Four, unless it really changes a lot of stuff in the actual movie, which you kind of think it probably doesn't, because you assume a lot of the characters that are dead in this movie because of the snap won't come back until the very end of the movie. You would mm-hmm. assume that's going to be something. However, they fix it, that these characters will reappear, or because continuity will be changed after the snap. That won't happen, you know. The snap will be deleted from reality. But unless that's the case, where he's got some, if he if he had some active role in the movie, then maybe they couldn't. That's I mean, there's still plenty of time to reshoot it. But I would say if he de- continues to shoot off his mouth, I would say the odds are at least. I would say it's more than fifty fifty that he's going to get canned because I think he's asking to be fired. Literally, I don't think he's. I don't think he's not. De- I don't think he's at the point of, I dare you to fire me. I just think he clearly has made up his mind that he would rather be fired than, than live up than, than continue to work with Disney, which on some level I can un- – I, 
I can re- understand defending your friend, but the, but you also have to be realistic enough to look at the big picture and see – look at the other – I mean people try, try their damnedest not to be objective. But there's no way if you're trying to be objective, you can't understand from if you put yourself in Disney's shoes why they would have a problem with this and why going forward with it would have been – because just imagine if they had rehired James Gunn and then those these pictures came out. They would have been completely, right. they would have been completely screwed then, and that's and that's even if we just assume, giving the benefit of the doubt, that there's no real, no pun intended here, there's no real smoking gun that hasn't come out yet about stuff that's not just stuff you can't just joke joke about and laugh off. That maybe there, you know, and maybe even, I'm not saying Disney knows that there is, but if you were Disney, you you can't have a lot of confidence that there's not stuff that we you don't know about out there. Still, so, but if, so if he can't look at it from that perspective. Then I don't know what then, because Disney just can't have somebody that's going to constantly badmouth them all the time. I mean, because and I just think he's going about it the wrong way for multiple reasons. Number one, if he really went to Disney and said, "I just don't," I, I, even if he didn't really believe it, I understand why you did what you did, but I don't, I don't agree with it, and I just can't. And considering this the circumstance and how strongly I feel about this, I can't, I can't make. I don't. I can't continue on in this role. I I would be willing to bet you at this point they would let him out of the contract. I don't think they're going to force him to, to be in Guardians Three if he doesn't want to at this point. So I think if he just really just, I think he could get out of it without doing without doing this. And I think the other thing is, which I don't think people a lot of people have looked at, is that he's not really helping James Gunn at this point because he's keeping it in the news. If he would just shut up, this would start fading away. The, he he is the only one who's keeping it in the news of the Guardians. Yeah, everybody signed the letter, but nobody is talking about this much. And if they get asked about it, they're all kind of like, it's a, you know, it's a tough situation. Everybody's being smart, really. They're making it clear they're not happy, but they're not really they're not rattling the cage about it either. And mm-hmm. if I was James Gunn, I would have said that I would have first I would have said to Bautista a long time ago, Hey, I appreciate you standing up for me, but number one, I don't want you to get fired for me or get or to quit for me. I don't want you taking the sword for me because whatever, you know, this, I did all this right or wrong, whatever you think about it, I did this. So, I mean, it's not you. I don't want you to do that. And number two, if that didn't work, I would honest, be honest with them to say, hey, you're not helping me here because you keep, you're keeping people talking about this. If you would just be quiet, we always know there's another story and scandal about to come out about something else. So just let it be quiet. I'm sure James Gunn's career will be fine down the road. No matter what, barring any other, you know, serious things, real things that come out that make it seem like it's not just a rather weird interest in the, in the subject, you know, unless something comes out to make it seem like he's an active participant in these things, that I think he'll be okay down the road. So that's, I just think Bautista's going about it the wrong way, and it's unfortunate because at the very least, you know, he should he should be able to understand at least why Disney did what they did, and what and why isn't Feige catching any hell from this? That's the thing I find the most funny about this. Everybody who says – who takes the point of view that, oh, Disney knew about this. They had to know about this. Nobody was saying Feige had to know about this, and he's the guy who hired this ass clown. If there's anybody in a position of power at Disney, quote-unquote, that had to know about the tweets and everything else, it had to be Feige because he hired this guy. And he pretty much had co- aut- complete autonomy at the time to do what he wanted. So, I mean, it kind of seems a little cherry-picking there. About who you're gonna, who you want to blame? You want to say the upper echelon of Disney had to know about this stuff before they hired him, but yet Feige, the only hell Feige is caught is because he hasn't defended James Gunn, 
which kind of is funny because, of course, he's not going to defend. Even if he thought James Gunn didn't do anything wrong, he kind of is in a really shitty spot because he's the one who hired him. <laughs> so, so he would be putting himself even more in the chopping block. So I don't know. But I – yeah, if I figured we, this would be a good, good time to talk about Bautista. I do like Drax. He, it's a, it's, he's a cool character. Uh, clearly, Guardians 3 at the moment is, is really up in the air about how, when that's going to proceed. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we'll probably get announcements soon about different Marvel projects that hopefully will excite the you know to to, de- to deflect and to excite the fan base to try to not have this Guardians 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 stuff hanging over everybody's head. But but yeah. yeah. So you think a Doctor Strange announcement's coming soon? Doctor Strange two. Black Panther 2 has to be coming, right? Some yes. sort of an announcement about that. Yeah, I would think Black Panther 2. Those, those would be those would be two big ones to announce. Black Panther, obviously, very popular. And let's be honest, if that was a September announcement too, it would make sense because it's about to come on Netflix. Black Panther mm. comes on, you know. I'm still. I will still say next month, even though technically speaking, by the time this gets released, it's going to be like like a few hours away, probably give or take twelve hours away or so from it being September. But in September, yes, uh, Black Panther comes on on Netflix, so that would be another perfect one to announce. And it's probably it's probably way too early for them to announce any other uh, Fox related projects. Uh, though I think that would probably be interesting to people too if they at least announced like. Uh, has like a had a date in mind, even if it's like th- like three years down the road yet for like Fantastic Four or something like that. But I think I think they'll come up. I think there'll be some announcements about about future projects. Or there's also uh, there's also what about what about, what about Ant Man three? Yeah, uh, I don't think there'll be an Ant Man three. But they said that before. They said they didn't. They thought it was unlikely. I mean, if you look at the, what Ant Man does box office wise worldwide, you could justify an Ant Man three since it just just like the other day, just worldwide, because I think it just opened in China actually. Finally, that it ju- it it has now made more money worldwide than the original one did. I don't think that wouldn't be one. I think they would announce. There's there's there is some speculation that they might announce a fourth Thor movie now, with what with uh, what's his face back as director. That they because that they, that might be another way to uh, another way to inspire the uh, try to move move beyond this mess. That's kind of been hovering over them, so we'll see. I, I, because you and I talked about it not that long ago that they really weren't many officially announced Marvel movies to begin with, and Guard and, and Guardians were never technically officially announced anyway. People just assumed it was going to be in the May slot for what 2020. But <clears throat> here we go. Here we go with the. Uh, see, we did a good job of buying time through the credits. Uh, multiple bogeys over Wakanda. Yep, the finger snaps. Hmm. You know what it makes me wonder is uh, how this will affect what we see or do not see in the next season of Shield, Agents of Shield, as well as any Net Marvel Netflix shows. Will we see any any whatsoever tie-in to Infinity War and the Marvel Netflix stuff? If it's supposed to kill half the populace. We have to deal with it somehow. I doubt we're. I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, 
What's the next Marvel Netflix? Daredevil season three? No, Iron Fist. Iron Fist. Iron Fist season two. Yeah, yeah. that's in September. That comes this month too. Next month, technically. <clears throat> My mind's in September, so that's why it's really easy to say this month. Now, uh, mother. <laughs> and he pressed it. It'll still be called. I would assume by the end of, of Captain Marvel, we'll, we'll understand why this beeper thing is as relevant as it is and why why he's communicating with her with a beeper still. Well, I mean, if it's 90s, it's a pager. Oh, it's a pager. Yeah, I mean, I know time, it makes sense why they're using ancient tech, quote-unquote, for that, but uh, I'm going to stop it now. Uh, it makes sense, but I'm just saying why, you know, why she's got to... More importantly, we have to get an explanation for like where where she is. Right. I mean, we've talked about this before. If, to me, it'd be curious, not related to her, but Ant Man. It'd be curious to know if Ant Man was meant to survive the snap, or if he only survived the snap because he was in the quantum realm. Well, I'm hmm. sure we're never going to find that out, unless you know, unless Doctor Strange, like after the fact, kind of when everybody's back, kind of mention kind of mentions it. Or something, but to me, that's one of the things I thought about instantaneously when when that scene happened at the end. In the in Ant Man, was like, did he only survive because he was in the quantum realm? You know, or was he meant to? Would he, or was he meant to survive anyway? But because of the way all the events are meant to play out, he had he needed to be in the quantum realm because he needed to go through the time vortex to meet the Avengers. Uh, what's left of the Avengers, and, and then you know, yada 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 with the with the Hank, with the Pym particles and the time travel and. All that stuff. So, but I, right. just out of curiosity, I was always curious whether, whether you know, he was meant to survive or it was just luck. He was because he was protected because he wasn't really in our reality. Well, is that going to do it for this episode? I think so. I think we had a very, very productive episode. All right. Well, do you want to tell people how they can go ahead and reach out to us? No. <laughs> no, people, no. Uh, Sure, lanterncast.com is the website. Lanterncast at gmail.com is the best place to contact us. We are also on Facebook and Twitter. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those. Stitcher and iTunes, that's the best place to find us now. Spotify eventually, right, Chad? Working on it. Working on it. Just just didn't want to... No guarantee. Yes, I, didn't want to, I just didn't want to be remiss because I know you, you mentioned it, I think, the last episode, or so I didn't want to let it go. Uh, so last but not least, the voicemail, 708-Lantern. 708-Lantern, call us and let us know what you think. Uh, I think it's too early to tell you what's next, yes. but we will talk to you uh, next time, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>